Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the show. I'm Chance Ellison. I'm Russell Howe. And this is Tories by Chance, the show where we come in and talk all things movies, television, streaming, occasionally games. Uh, just any anything and everything we talk about here on the show. And this is our first official episode back from the new year. We've done, we did the last one, which, but that's not really, that's not really a Tories by Chance, now is it? Yeah, it's just a best of. So yeah, this is our actual first episode into the new year, which, yeah, we got a good one. Oh yeah, so so much to talk about today, uh, especially because we didn't talk about anything last week except for the Oscar nominations because we couldn't ignore this. Uh, so we're starting off our show with, of course, our weekly uh, our, we- our weekly trailer rundown. We have a lot to talk about. Uh, first, we're going from earliest to latest. The first one that dropped, I think it was the first first big trailer drop of the new year, and that was the full length trailer for A Quiet Place Part Two. Uh, of course, following the first A Quiet Place, as opposed to the first teaser, which was like what. 20 seconds, maybe? Yeah, maybe. It was like 20 or 30 seconds. This is about two and a half minutes. And this actually does give you some glimpse at the story. So, Russell, what do you think of this trailer? I liked it. Um, I really did. Yeah, the, the teaser trailer really gave you nothing. It was literally saying, hey, we're making a sequel. The movie's um, coming out. This movie's coming out. Yeah. But, yeah, this one actually looks really good. I, I like how it's, it goes from, like, like really quiet, obviously like really quiet. Then all of a sudden, just like all mass chaos. And uh, yeah, it, it looks good. Um, I, I enjoyed the first one, not as much as you did. I did like it. Um, but yeah, I, I'm kind of curious to see how they're going to continue this story. But uh, yeah, I'm intrigued. Like I said, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it though. I think that with this movie, it looks like they are definitely taking it a new direction than they did with the first one. Like because the first one's all about survival. This was all about survival, not about like, staying quiet. This one's about you know, make, like, trying to get some. And I think that I think it looks really cool. Uh, I think I think Killian Murphy. Are we going to bet Killian Murphy's the bad guy in this? He probably is, right? Uh, yeah, it's Killian Murphy. He has to be. He has to be. It's, it, yeah, <laughs> it's, he looks way too creepy to not be a bad guy in this movie. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm guessing there's going to be a turn. Maybe. Uh, but either way, this movie is set for a blues command March. Yep. March sounds good. Yeah, uh, March twenty twenty. So it's one of my most anticipated this year. So be on the lookout for it. Uh, next show we're talking about is for at long last, Russell. We have another trailer for New Mutants. How about uh, it? How about it? I mean, this movie's actually it's actually it's a complete thing. It's coming out <laughs> eventually. <laughs> uh, yeah, for those of you who don't remember, this movie was supposed to come out originally in 2018. We are past the two-year point when this movie was supposed to come out. Uh, but this is a uh, comic book film set within the X-Men universe, or was. I'm not sure if it is anymore. Uh, and it involves around... Uh, it's like it's X-Men Ghost School, but a bunch of these little young mutants uh, coming in and you know, being scared of their powers. So, Russell... Uh, and keep in mind, this is the first look we've had at New Mutants since the first show dropped way back in 2017. So, uh, all that in mind, Russell, what do you think of this new trailer for New Mutants? I like to uh, believe it or not, I actually like the feel of this one as opposed to the first trailer. I think they were going to try to go real dark and gritty on that first one, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Um, they use the same song really- cue, though. They use the exact same song. Well, I mean, Pink Floyd, hey, uh, Another Brick in the Wall. Yeah, Another Brick in the Wall, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I like it. I, I thought it looked, good. I mean, better than the first one. Um, I mean, I'm I'm curious enough to see it. 
Um, I'm just glad that they finally let's let's hope uh, let's hope that like April is the the set date here for this and it doesn't get pushed back again. Watch, but, to, um, watch tomorrow gets pushed back again. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to put the kiss of death on this thing. But uh, yeah, no, I like this trailer better than the first one. That's not saying much because the first one really just wasn't. It just it was all over the place with vibes. I didn't know what it was trying to go for. Was it trying to be like scary or was it trying to appeal to the comic book audience? Like it, I, I, it was like confused and muddled. I think this one's a little bit more clear, um, but it, it looks okay. I mean, I, it looks far from the worst film of the year for sure. Um, not not, not yeah. even the worst. I, comic book, not even the worst comic book trailer we had to talk about today. But we'll get to that in a second. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think I think this new trailer looks. I, I liked it better when I saw it. In theaters, I saw it right in front of uh, what did I say? That'd have been do no, that wasn't do little, was underwater. I saw it in front of underwater. Oh, boy, do little was rough. We'll talk, we'll talk about my do little in a second, but I saw it in front of underwater and it plays better in the theater. I still think it kind of looks it looked kind of bad, but I'm rooting for this yeah. movie because I like a lot of people in it. It'll be fun. I mean, if, it, if anything, it's gonna be fun. And hey, look, it look, I mean, worst case, it's a forgotten thing that we don't have to reference ever again. Best case, this will be the way we kind of, you know, segue mutants into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So we Let's win. Put it like this. This movie cannot be worse than Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance. Don't challenge it. Like, well, it's, I mean, this better not be a hold my beer moment, but I'm pretty <laughs> sure I'm pretty, I feel, I feel pretty confident. I think it's going to be better than that um and that's really about it so that's really not gauging it that's not having a lot of confidence in it but again i think it's gonna be fun so it, it looks it does look fun uh and speaking of marvel we also have the first trailer for morbius uh so morbius uh, is based on the comic book character morbius the living vampire and uh maybe i'm on the, on the minority russell but i think this looks great for 2005 yeah i mean it'll... <laughs> yeah yeah that when uh, when that uh, kind of uh the whole like vampire type thing was huge with like underworld this, and all that stuff. Yeah. yeah. But like, this is, this is a movie that I just cannot believe actually got made. Yeah. It's crazy. I didn't even know like who Morbius, like, again, you know me, I'm not a big, you know, I don't read a whole lot of the comics. And I really but, don't like, know anything. About even, even among like comic fans, I have not met a single person who's my favorite Spider-Man character. Favorite Spider-Man villain is Michael Morbius. <laughs> Can you believe, like, Morbius got a film before Carnage did? That's crazy. That, I mean, technically, yeah, that's true. I mean, they're both coming out the same year. Ven- Ven- Venom 2, this time, is going to be Carnage. It's coming out this year, but... Yeah, this... But you know what I mean, like a standalone Carnage film. Yeah. But, yeah, I think that this movie just looks... It looks very similar to Venom. Which, I mean, is not yeah, shocking. It has they're, supposed to take place, they're supposed to take place within the same universe. But also, like yeah. maybe in the Sam Raimi verse, because there's there's a thing where he walks by a poster, Spider Man poster says "murder" on it, but it's Sam Raimi Spider Man, not Tom Holland Spider Man. And, and to make was this... it just you? Go ahead. Was it was it just me, or did Jared Leto's character remind you of the character in Blade Runner twenty forty nine? A little bit, yeah. By the way he talked yeah. and the way he, yeah, uh, but just also, the way he looked, yeah. But one more th- the thing the real kicker about this trailer is is the end you hear like it's like michael morbius got tired of playing the game like who is this like what's up doc and it's michael keaton michael keaton is gonna be in this movie i don't know who's who i don't know what's what probably the vulture because it'd be confusing if he was anybody else but <laughs> yeah it's gotta be the vulture it's the only way they can do it the thing is i'm very confused as to where this means this this movie lies within this universe because it is in the marvel cinematic universe is it a separate thing? Is it an alternate dimension? 
I, I have I have no idea what is going on here, Russell. Yeah, I don't think they do either. Um, when I no. saw Keaton's character, I thought it was a vulture, but um, I, I don't know. I, I really don't. What's up? What's up, Doc? It's like, like, yeah. Bottom line, this doesn't look very. This doesn't look very. Uh, <laughs> the uh, Jared Leto, Tyrese, Matt Smith vampire movie doesn't look very promising. I mean, maybe this segues into Beetlejuice too. I don't know. I would, I would love it if this were like a secret sequel to Beetlejuice, <laughs> or if, if, if this is how, if this is how he died, dude, in, uh, in the real world. Wouldn't it be, wouldn't it be awesome? It was like, it was like split, and at the end of the, the end of the movie, he's he's Beetlejuice. It's like, oh my god, <laughs> this is this is how he died. It's like, yes, this is it. <laughs> at, at, at this point, you would not. You would not lose any goodwill with me if that was the if that if you end up doing that shit. Hey, we called it first. If that's if that's what happens, that's twist. If that's a twist, you heard it right here first, folks. Uh, but Morbius is set for a July thirty first, twenty twenty release. Uh, next year, we're talking about one that I was I was looking forward to this until I saw this trailer because it didn't look like anything I thought it was going to. It's the trailer for the Lovebirds. This is a romantic comedy of, uh, starring Kamel Nanjiani uh, from The Big Sick and Issa Rae from Insecure. She's going to be in the photograph. Uh, they play a couple who uh, accidentally become involved in a murder case. So I'm not sure where this goes. Like, it looks, looks like the whole like weird series of circumstances that lead into a bunch of places. I have no idea. To be honest, I thought this is nothing like I thought the movie was going to look like, especially because only because the movie is directed by Michael Showalter. He directed uh, Hello, My Name is Doris. He directed The Big Sick, which I love. I really like both those films, but this looks nothing like either of those two movies. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, it, it looks funny, but I don't know where they're trying to take it. it this, this, it, this it's, it's, it's kind of weird. Looks like this looks like a date night sequel. Remember, remember date night? Almost the sequelality effect. Yes, I remember the good old two thousand and nine. I believe yes. that came out. Not, yes, not uh, that is not a uh, not not a great film, but yeah, yeah. This this looks like this looks like a ripoff of that movie as opposed to anything Showalter's done. Which I'm, that's why I'm holding on hope because I love Showalter as a director. I think he's super talented. I'm hoping this is great. This trailer doesn't instill a whole lot of hope with me. I did like the ad. I, I don't want grease on my face. <laughs> oh yeah, so, take take the grease and get the take the grease. I thought that was funny. I mean, outside of that, though, I mean, uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not, um, I'm not keeping, you know, I'm not getting my hopes up on this one. Yeah, I mean, I, I hopefully the movie impresses me more than the trailer did, and uh, the Lovebirds is set for a. Let me double check. Uh, April third, April third, twenty twenty release. Also playing out South by, which is interesting. So, yeah, uh, be on the lookout for that. Uh, next trailer we're talking about is for a very odd. An odd movie. Uh, it says Timmy failure. Mistakes were made. Uh, I remember I was I saw this at the, D, the Disney Plus panel at D twenty three. And the most interesting thing about this movie to me is the fact that Tom McCarthy, like spotlights Tom McCarthy. Uh, it looks yeah, this is odd. It's basically about okay. So yeah. hold on to your seats, folks. This is about a child who runs a detective agency where his partner is an imaginary polar bear. And it's not like he's like a cartoony polar bear. No, it's like a legitimate polar bear. <laughs> doesn't talk. Doesn't do anything. Oh, well, at least we don't know if he talks. I don't, I don't know. If, I don't think he talks. He's, he doesn't talk in this trailer. He, he could open up Coke bottles. 
He could. He could. He I could mean, very well open up Coke bottles. I mean, that's just me. I don't know if, if you know. Like, yeah. But like, <laughs> I saw this trailer for like the longest time. I swore this was the same kid from Antlers. That movie with the. Uh, yeah. yeah, I thought that was the same kid. Turns out it's not. And it turns out this is this kid is the younger brother of the main kid from the Goldfinch. Oh boy. Yeah, I mean, look, look. Is, say what you about that movie. That kid's a good actor, but maybe, maybe, maybe good actor was in the jeans. But still, well, Russell, what do you think about this this uh, this trailer? Yeah, this movie does not look very good at all. Um, yeah, there's a reason why they're putting it on Disney Plus. I mean, I just we'll just leave it like that. Does not look good. I think it looks interesting. I'm not. I'm not, I'm not saying it looks. I think it looks interesting. I'm not saying it looks like great or anything. But like, again, yeah, Tom McCarthy is my one holdout because I do think he's a legitimately good director. Um, but yeah, I'm, it's it's a very odd looking film. It's not necessarily a bad thing. Uh, it's just it just is what it is. I hope it's good. I have Disney Plus. I'm going to watch it when it comes out. Even though I still haven't, I have yet to watch Togo. Uh, I haven't watched yeah, that movie. I have not seen Togo. Neither. But, Regardless, uh, to me, failure, mistakes were made, is set for a, right around the corner, February 7th, 2020 release. Also getting a screening at Sundance this year, which is also there's a reason. There's a reason why the trailer literally just probably came about a couple of weeks before it came out. Because well, it's I mean, going to be a, fa- it's going to be a failure. Uh, I don't know. Hi, uh, see what I did? Um, yeah, this doesn't look very good, Chance. Uh, maybe, maybe. We'll, 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 we'll see. We'll see on February on February seventh. Uh, I know where I'm not going to be. <laughs> uh, coming in next show we're talking about is for Ordinary Love. So Ordinary Love is a romantic drama starring Liam Neeson, not beating the shit out of anybody this time, and Leslie Manville from Phantom Thread and the Maleficent films. Uh, Russell, what do you think of the trailer for Ordinary Love? Uh, yeah, I, I I don't know. I, I really don't know what to take away from this. Um, Me this movie actually, like, I, I really don't. Um, this movie apparently came out earlier. Like, I said, can't it was at TIFF in it September? Was at, it was at TIFF last year, and it, and it yeah. opened in the UK last year. But we're we're getting I mean, it uh, February. It's literally holding it as seven and a half out of ten right now, with only three hundred votes on IMDb and an eighty meta score with seven critics reviews. I mean. Again, kind of what you said. I don't know what to take out of it. I, I don't know what to. I, I don't know what what you're really supposed to take from this. So yeah, what, what I, I, what I, I don't will know. say. What I will say is, I like Liam Neeson as an actor. I'm I'm glad. Oh, I did too. He's kind of separating. I'm glad he's separating himself from that like Taken persona. He's stop, he's stop, he's going to stop being the shit out of people. Yeah, uh, I mean, it can only work for so long. Yeah, it can only work for so long. He's almost seventy years old, so. His time, his time was running out, so I, I'm glad he's taking more roles like this. And I'm, 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 I'm gonna watch it because I want to see like what what this movie is. And yeah, it's probably gonna be probably gonna be that you won't have to see in a theater, but hopefully it'll have it'll have some good moments, some good acting in it. And like we said, it opens February 14th, 2020. All right, so the next show we're talking about today is for a film called Vivarium. It's a movie starring uh, Jesse Eisenberg and Imogen Coots, who I forgot once again was british i knew it then i didn't know it and then i then i know, now i know it again uh, as a couple <laughs> who gets stuck in this like maze like neighborhood that they cannot escape from 
Uh, Russell, what do you think of the trailer? I'm I'm curious about it. I, I I like the trailer. It had the Stepford Wives like feel to it. Like everything looks the same, and it's like, you know, what I mean, the guy is like super weird. That like t- takes him to this house number nine or whatever in the trailer. Um, I'm curious enough. It's dark enough where it gets my attention. I'm kind of curious about like what they're going to do with it from there. Um, all of a sudden they have a son at the, like the end of the trailer. So like, yeah, I'm, they're throwing in a lot of stuff. Uh, and it's like dark and it's, it's like dark enough to get my attention. So yeah, I'm uh, pretty intrigued with this trailer. I do like a movie like this has like a really like weird out there content. Funny enough, these two act very similar odd concept film this year with the art of self-defense which did you see that one i have not seen it um it was one that a lot of people have talked about that really enjoyed it i believe it's on hulu i do want to check that that film out for sure because yeah it's, it's like, on like hulu. I said, yeah. give it give it a watch because it's genuinely yeah. like super super funny and super uh, insightful uh but yeah i think that this looks interesting and i'm i, I really want to see it next i want to know what's going on for sure and the last show we're talking about today is for The Last Thing He Wanted. This is a Netflix movie directed by Dee Rees, who worked on, who did a Nef- Mudbound for Netflix two years ago, or sorry, three years ago now. So uh, clearly they have a good work relationship with them. And this one stars Anne Hathaway, Ben Affleck in movie number, well, I guess movie number four, he has this, or three, because the last duel is coming out at the end of the year. Uh, but either way, Affleck's supposed to have a great year. Either, regardless. So, uh, what do you think of the trailer for the last thing he wanted? I feel like I've seen this before, like this type of trailer. I mean, is it just me, or did you get that kind of vibe? Like, no, a journalist, a reporter, journalist gets wrapped up in things, and you know, uh, crazy things ensue. And I feel like I've seen this trailer before. Um, the thing that's really holding on to me, obviously, is Affleck and Hathaway in it. I mean, you're surrounded by talent there, and Willem Dafoe's in it. Um, so I'm curious enough about it. Like I said, with, with good talent around it, I mean, it should be a decent film, but, uh, yeah, I feel like I've seen this trailer play out before. Which funny now, I'm pretty sure this is the movie. I'm pretty sure this, this movie is the reason he's not the second lead in the last duel, if I'm not mistaken, because he was, it was supposed to be him and Damon as the two friends who have the duel. But I think because of this movie or his other one, I can't remember that he took a supporting role and let Adam Driver step into the main one. But either was way, it, was it just me or did, did, was it just me or did Affleck look like he had like a lot of makeup on in this film? No, I, I, I see what you mean. He did look like he had some makeup on. <laughs> Dude, like literally I'm watching this trailer and I'm like, Ooh, that's a, like, it, it looks like Ben Affleck, but like, like Ben Affleck that would melt if he was around a candle type thing. Or if it got suddenly hot. Yeah, I get what you mean. Yeah, it was just one of those things that it really took me away from the trailer. Well, you know, maybe, maybe, like, maybe they got the same guy. Maybe they had to take off his beard, so they got the same guy who did uh, Superman's mustache and Justice League. <laughs> <laughs> could, could, could be. Gotta could get be. that guy some work. Gotta get that guy some work, man. Uh, so but either way, the last thing he wanted is set for a uh, dropping on Netflix February 21st, 2020. So this is Apple movie number one this year. We're going to get our first taste of his year that will be 2020. I hope, I, hope it, I hope it works out well for him because, yeah, he needs a win. Yes. And that wraps up movie uh, – well, wraps up movie trailer talk for us. I guess just trailer, just trailer talk. We now move on to news. We might start off with uh, – it's sort of sad tidings because uh, uh, Monty Python has shrunk a little bit. So yesterday, as recording of this – 
Uh, Monty Python member Terry Jones passed away. So Terry Jones was one of the uh, one of the linchpins of that of that whole troop. Uh, and he not only was he a member was he a member of the crew. He also directed. I, I want to say he directed most of their work. Uh, he, he co-directed. Uh, he directed Life of Brian, and he directed me. Yeah, he directed all the Monty Python movies. So he was really instrumental in that group. But this is the second Python we've lost because uh, Graham Chapman passed away uh, a while back. It's been it's been a while since Graham Chapman kicked it. Uh, but yeah, so uh, Russell, uh, any thoughts on Terry Jones? You know what, honestly, and you're going to be like, Russ, I cannot believe it. You ready for this one? You haven't seen any of them, have you? I've never seen any Monty Python films, Oh, my ever. God. Yeah. It's another hole in my uh, movie knowledge, or lack thereof. It was just something that British humor, I don't know, just never, I don't know, just never resonated to me. I don't know. I, I, I maybe need to give it a chance, because literally everybody, like, swears by it. And it's just, like, one of the things I just never got around to watching, because I just, I don't know, I just didn't have the urge to go watch it, you know what I mean? Yeah, fair enough. So speaking of someone who was a big fan of Monty Python, a big fan of Terry Jones, yeah. this is it, it, this is a hard loss because like you said, the Pythons, the, the other members of Python are kicking fine. Terry Gilliam is saying some stupid shit, which sucks, but regardless. Um, this, uh, I, I love their comedy, I love their movies, and I love them as personas. And he was one of the, one of the most oddball. Like he was also heavily involved with uh, Labyrinth, Jim, Jim Henson's Labyrinth. Oh, I believe he wrote the script. Uh, okay, yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, yeah. So he, he just seemed like a really weird off kilter guy, and I dug and I dug that about him. And uh, you know, it's he he will be missed. He, him and his comedy stylings will definitely be missed. Uh, so next next topic we're talking about. We're actually going to talk about some sports stuff real quick. Uh, mainly uh, two. First of which, in the Super Bowl, we have our Super Bowl matchup uh, between uh, your 49ers because Green Bay no. Green Bay decided to not show up for the <laughs> and uh, mainly the defense. The, the, the Green Bay defense is the reason is the reason you guys are going to Super Bowl because they just did not show up at all. Well, I mean, when you have you know when you can run the ball all over your you know opponents and not keep that just, defense out, not there just that, time. but like when. When you when you have the same guy score a touchdown four times, like it's it, it's ridiculous. Some of those some of those holes that Green Bay let up, you could have drove a truck in there though. You could have credit to the uh, credit to the O line, uh, San Fran's O line. But um, yeah, they are uh, clicking on all four cylinders right now, and it's uh, quite enjoyable to watch. Uh, yeah. yeah, and they will be taking on the Kansas City Chiefs, who after. Uh, after not showing up for the first half of the of the game against Nashville, came back to beat the shit out of them. <laughs> uh, yeah. you know, Nashville, they almost had it. If, if, if they if they shut down uh, Patrick Mahomes, I, I think they would have won. But the fact that we have Chiefs versus 49ers, this is, I guess this is going to be a much better game than I anticipated. Yeah, for sure. Um, obviously, we know who I want to win, but I think what it's going to come down to is defense, and I think San Francisco has the edge just because they have those playmakers on defense. Um, Kansas City's shown that they've put up points. Like, they were down 24 points to Houston in the first in the second yes. round there of the playoffs. And they came and, back to beat the shit out of them. Okay, so, but what I'm saying is a team that's up 24 nothing, and a real NFL team would have shut the door on it and say, okay, we have you here. We're just going to keep it, you know, relentlessly pile it up. 
you know, they made some boneheaded plays and special teams that really kind of opened up the door for Kansas City. Um, I think if they can put pressure on Mahomes, which I know that they're probably going to do because Robert Sala likes to really make the uh, quarterback, uh, you know, uncomfortable in the pocket. We've seen that with Aaron Rodgers. We've seen it with, you know, Russell Wilson when they played uh, uh, Seattle at the end of the season, um, the season finale game. Um, we, we see that once you get the quarterback on the run and stuff like that, anything can happen. I know there's a lot of playmakers on Kansas City's offense, but keep in mind, you know, you got Sherman, you got, you know, uh, you know Nick Bosa, you know Eric Armstead. You got a lot of guys on defense that can really, uh, you know, pound pound in there, and uh, it's going to be interesting to see it, for sure. It absolutely is. And to echo what you said, I, it, this is a really good matchup. I didn't really, you know, I. Obviously, wouldn't have mind of seeing Tennessee in there just because I wanted the easier opponent of the two. Because I mean, who doesn't like when they're you know their teams in a Super Bowl? They want you know whatever favors your team the most, you know. Right, but um, this should be good. Should be good matchup. Should be good matchup for sure. Go Chiefs. Uh, next thing we're talking about, also in sports news, we got to talk about UFC wow. two forty. We got to talk about UFC two forty six because. Uh, we never talked about UFC before, but when, but when we do, it's something like that happened like really great. Conor McGregor made his return to the ring after getting the crap beaten out of him by Khabib a few, a few uh, like what a year ago. It was over a year ago, yeah, yeah. He got the, he got the, he got the crack of him by Khabib, and now he came back to fight Cowboy. <laughs> now the reason is like I did not pay for UFC just because I, uh, I I was I was doing something else at the time, but I remember I remember what was going on. I remember like. The fight was over in under a minute, yeah. And I and then I watched the fight like the whole post on Twitter. I watched like I watched the fight like three or five times. And I forty seconds was very generous. I have yeah. I have never seen a fight that was so clearly over to last that long. Like he like that that, that cowboy was definitely good. You know, Conor McGregor knocked out Cowboy under forty seconds, but Cowboy was done after like twenty twenty five. Yeah. Um... I think they kind of, I mean, I didn't expect this type of outcome. I mean, obviously we knew that Conor McGregor was going to win because they really wanted to pad that, I think, to get him, you know, get him a, a W to move forward to tr- try to have a uh, Nate Diaz uh, three rematch. I think that's what they're trying to aim for. Yeah. Um, but I I didn't uh, watch the fight. I wanted to, but Beck and I went and saw an 80s hairband tribute band, which was actually really good. As you do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, as you have to. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was one of those ones where I've been bit, you know, in the ass before by the UFC, like ordering, ordering fights. Like I've ordered a couple of McGregor's fights and I've ordered a couple of Ronda Rousey's fights. Um, and, and like the one under a minute and I'm like, seriously, I paid like $60 for this, this stuff. Like seriously, like it sucks. Um, it's always good to have friends come over. Cause like, you know, if you have a couple guys come over be like, yeah, 20 bucks a pop. And then, you know. You know, it's it kind of pays itself, but yeah, when it's when it's like that, it sucks though because it's like it's not a fight. You want to see a fight. You want to see a fight go three rounds at least. I mean, yeah, not forty seconds. I mean, at least at least go one round, knock him out at the beginning of the second or something. You know, but look, congrats, Conor McGregor. You, you should have you should have had that even sooner because he was at the point where he had him on the ground and started beating the shit out of him, and they still didn't call him. Just like I was looking at the ref, just like you're not going to call this shit. Like it's over. It's very clear. Yeah, it, it was. I think the referee was really trying to see, give Cowboy that extra couple seconds to see if he was going to like move or like make any kind of you know defense or anything like that. And he really wasn't. So, 
yeah, it was good that they kind of threw in the towel there and he called a fight like after 40 seconds. It just sucks that, like I said, it's kind of an uneventful fight. You know, you kind of go, you want to see a, a good fight. You, I mean, granted, I like McGregor, so I was happy that he won. But still on the flip side of it, though, you want to see something competitive. Well, I think we'll, I think we'll see that. if they get him and Nate Diaz a third time. I think we'll see that competitive, that competitive fight. Yeah. Because I feel like those guys hate each other. I don't know how much of that shit's like really scripted. Because I feel like that's that stuff's just like wrestling, really. Probably. Like to be honest, it, it really is. I think those guys probably drink beer after the after the match together, or, or drink uh, uh, McGregor's whiskey or whatever. McGregor has a whiskey. Yeah, he has a whiskey. I, I can't think of what it's called, but he he does have one. Okay, then. Well, now you know. Uh, all right, now going into the actual like uh, you know movie news. Uh, first of which we had the SAG Award. Uh, those took those took place over over uh, the last few weeks. Uh, winners uh, we got uh, Best Actor Joaquin Phoenix, Best Actress Renee Zellweger, Supporting Actor Brad Pitt, uh, Supporting Actress Laura Dern, and uh, Ensemble. The interesting one was Ensemble one to uh, Parasite, which does give us some traction in the Best Picture race. Uh, but yeah. I think I think it's very. Much as I hate to say, it might be safe to call these as the winners for the Oscars this year. I mean, in most cases, because yeah. I think that I, th- I think Brad Pitt definitely deserves it for his category. Laura, Dern, I think he's going to get it, and Dern's going to get it. But I don't, I don't know. I don't think I, I don't think Zellweger's going to win Best Actress. She's been. I think she's. I think she's basically been sweeping all the major ones, if I'm not mistaken. <sighs> I don't know. I mean, she's listen. She's terrific in, in, in Judy. Don't get me wrong. She is. Uh, but I really, I really think I don't know. Scarlett Joe. I'm, I'm telling you, don't don't sleep on Scarlett. I Joe really, I really want to see Scar Scarlett Joe win. That's just, I I'm think just she's going to call me. I, I'm I'm calling I'm calling it now. I think Scarlett Johansson's going to take it for Marriage Story. We'll see what happens. But um, I mean, Zellweger's great in Judy. Don't get me wrong. A lot better in that performance than the one that she won for in Cold Mountain, but such is the case um, in in Oscar history. Obviously, you know we've talked for the Revenant and doesn't win for other roles where he should have won, like Aviator or Wolf of Wall Street or other films where he put in a really solid performance. Yeah, uh, I I do think I am comfortable walking in Laura Dern most because her best competition is on the bench. <laughs> yeah, uh, but. Yeah, I, I think this that uh, I don't know. I think it's pretty safe to lock to lock these Phoenix especially because again, it's been sweeping everywhere. I don't think he should win, but he's probably going to. This is going to be back to back years where we're disappointed. Best actor. This film back 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 years we're disappointed with almost everything. <laughs> Sucks, man. Like I just uh, like the ones you really champion, man. Like. Uh, I, yeah, how do you how do you not nominate? I'm going to talk about that real quick. How do you not nominate Bradley Cooper for Best Director last year? That's okay. crazy. Like, but not nominate Pawlikowski for Cold War got in. That was so like, weird. That was, was so like, weird. Really? Like this is his first. Like this is his debut film. Like really? Like oh, this is crazy, man. It's uh, uh, I can't I can't understand the uh, Academy. I, I am glad they're showing some love to Parasite though. Uh, we'll see what happens with that because I know you and I are pretty high on that. Yeah. All right. Uh, next piece of news talking about is uh, Tarantino is going to, in addition to possibly doing an extended uh, extended I, version I of what's on Hollywood, he is looking yeah. to do five episodes of Bounty Law, the Rick Dalton <laughs> TV show, 
within Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Uh, I'm not sure where it's going to land. I would assume Netflix because he seems to have a good work relationship with those guys. Uh, would you watch five episodes of Bounty Law? Is it weird to say yeah? I mean, just no, because it's, it's not weird. Because it's, it's Tarantino, man. I, I don't know. And the fact that he's so, it's like, it's like almost like a passion project for him. Because I read somewhere where he had already wrote out like three full episodes or something like that. Oh, really? Like, so the, yeah, so the guy's clearly like thinking, like thinking outside the box, what he's going to do with, you know, Rick Dalton's character. I mean, I, I think it's kind of fun because, you know, let, let's see his TV show from, you know, the perspective of actually being in the show as opposed to just seeing like small little clips and him trying to act and, and stuff like that. Yeah. It'll be kind of fun. Um, I don't know. Tarantino's passionate about it. So I don't know. We'll see what happens. Uh, like five hour long episodes. I think he wants to do or something like that. That sounds, that sounds about right. And I, I could, I, I, I'd watch it. Sure. The question is, could you get, watch could it. you get, could you get DiCaprio? I'm sure, I'm sure Quentin asked he would do it. It's just depending oh, on the schedule. Yeah. DiCaprio will do it. I mean, he has a good rapport with, um, well, with really with everybody. To, like it's like Tarantino and Scorsese are is like one and two right now. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and neither of them got him an Oscar, which is crazy. Yeah, Inarutu uh, got him one. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, talk about some opening weekends. Uh, Bad Boys for Life and Doolittle. Uh, Bad Boys for Life did extremely well. Like oh, like fifty percent higher than what it was projected, or twice. Uh, twice I will project to open up at about seventy million over the four day weekend. It was well, projected to do like thirty or forty. Shocker. And, and uh, do little, not doing so hot. Yeah, uh, it's 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 doing little. An astounding uh, open around to twenty two million. $22 million over the four-day weekend, or over the three-day weekend, 29 over the four-day weekend. Would you like to uh, uh, Against a budget our, of a... What, yeah, uh, I was going to say that. I budget. was going to say, why don't you tell the, audi- yeah, tell the audience the budget? Uh, the budget of an astounding $175 million. <laughs> oh, my God. This is a... <laughs> oh, <geez. laughs> And as, as, as as two people who saw Doolittle last night. Oh, man. I, I'm astounded. I do not know why, how, or who convinced any of these people that it was a good idea. <laughs> oh, God. I watched with Ella. Listen, it was a good kids film, but like, like thinking outside of, the, outside of the box, outside of the premise of that, what the hell is Robert Downey Jr. doing? What, what, what did he do? Because like, who, who told him that this was a good idea for the who, first movie who, after he got done with Iron Man? And who said, hey, I got an idea. It'll be even better if you use an accent. Like, why? Oh, I mean, man, look, he, can, just, he, he, can, he can do accents. Let's that's, that's not get that wrong. But like, he, the thing is, yes, he was, but, he was directed to act like Johnny Depp acts in most things now. I don't know if you got that yeah. vibe. A little bit, yeah. I just feel like, I'm like, is this... Is this Robert Downey Jr.? Like, I just really surprised. Like, I mean, like, granted, okay, on the on the grand scheme of th- like surface level, it's a good kids film. All right, Ella liked it, had fun with it. That's who its targeted audience is. Great, okay. But now, if like like you and I go in there, 
expect them to be like kind of how they do, you know, kid films now. They kind of tailor it a little bit towards adults, throw some adult stuff in there, ha ha ha, you know, and everybody wins. This one really just didn't feel like like the, the the stupidest part is like when the bagpipe part where they pull the bagpipe out of the butt of the, uh, the dragon. So yes, that, that, and like, yes that, why? That's a that's a thing that does in fact happen in this film. It, it's so stupid. I feel like it's so dumb. Like yeah, it's it's just yeah, it's not good. Uh, regardless, yeah, uh, Doolittle not doing well. Like we said, did little at the box office and probably not going to make its money back. But it's predicted to be like a cat's type failure from what I read. It, this is okay. So right now, 2020 is looking right now. It's The Grudge and Doolittle fighting for worst movies of 2020 so far. Did you see The Grudge? I did. I did not. I really didn't care for it. I thought it was boring. I missed it. I need. I need. I need to watch it. But. You're not missing anything, honestly. I, like, just check it out for sake of just you know seeing it. But like, I'm saying like between that and Doolittle for worst films of 2020 so far. Granted, we're only three weeks in, but still, um, I was kind of excited for the Grudge and and Doolittle. I thought Doolittle was going to be pretty good, like from the trailer and stuff like that. But like, oof, man. And and I feel like. Yeah, it was it was funny because I got that almost. Did you get like uh, like the um, uh, what the hell, like a Tim Burton esque vibe to it too? From Doolittle, like, I yeah, felt I, did. Like, I did actually. I, I I felt I felt that like when we were watching it, like I'm like, man, I feel like this is trying to be like a Tim Burton film, almost like an Alice in Wonderland type, with just the use of vibrant colors and just that strange like music and stuff like that. Which I found out Elfman, I guess, did do the music for this. Um, but uh, yeah, really? kind of weird. Yeah, I was listening to uh, critically acclaimed, and they were talking about it. But it was funny because I literally was thinking the same thing about like a Tim Burton esque, and I'm like, man, like yeah, they were right because I literally was thinking that when I was watching it. Like I had like I'm thinking of like Alice in Wonderland, like you know, uh, you know, Tim Burton type stuff, and it was just really strange. It was it was weird. It was just different, different film. Yeah, so I think it's safe to say that Doolittle. We might get a bat. I think we might be getting Bat Boy sequel. I think they already put that into production. Uh, they already put it. I mean, yeah, they in the pre-production. I'm sorry, kind of leave it off that way too. Gemini uh, Man <coughs> Part Four. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Uh, not only, but uh, Doolittle probably not getting a sequel. Something that, that is, however, getting a sequel is Knives Out. Probably, actually, no. There's a good chance it's happening because Ryan Johnson said he's very interested in. in re-exploring these characters. I think it's been in pre-production. Daniel Craig is set to reprise his role. Only thing is, I hope they can get just as good of a cast for this next one. Well, good news. Uh, Beck and I are planning on seeing it Saturday, so... Correct, finally. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, thankfully. Like, uh, never wait for your... Like, yeah, never wait for your wives or your girlfriend. Like, that. oh, let's wait, wait for me to watch this film. Now you see where I'm at now. I'm literally like, what is it? It's been out for over a month. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, that's my rant on that. Okay. Well, either way, as someone who did see Knives Out, I think that you could do, you could definitely spin this into uh, an American detective franchise. Daniel Craig is great in the role. I mean, especially because he's going to be done playing Bond very soon. And this is one that doesn't take a, that does take, doesn't take a lot of commitment from him. Is one that he doesn't, it's one that he's not going to feel like he wants to kill himself every day making. So, yeah, I, and I, I or get, and or get hurt film and or get hurt filming it <laughs> and or get hurt filming probably not. So yeah, uh, yeah, I would definitely be down to see more movies from the Knives Out universe. Uh, next piece of news, uh, also getting a sequel. 
Uh, there had been a lot of talk about a Don't Breathe sequel. Don't Breathe Again, working title, which I made that up, uh, is set for... It's, it's currently set in pre-production. Already got a director. Director is going to be uh, Rodo Sayegues, who co-wrote who co- the first script with Alvarez. Him and Alvarez are co-writing this one, and Alvarez is also going to be an executive producer on this, which is weird. I thought, I thought Fetty was going to do this one himself. Mm-hmm. That's because what is he doing right now? Yeah, there's not a big demand for him right now. I think I remember, I remember hearing about him getting another project. I don't remember what it was. But either way, I, I mean, I, how did you like the first Don't Breathe? I liked it a lot. I thought it was really good. Um, yeah, I thought Stephen Lang was pretty, you know, uh, pretty terrifying in the film. And I kind of like how they did a little twist there when you think you know everything what's going on. Then they... And kind of, you know, pull the carpet out from under you and have like a little bit of like, not like a twist, but like a surprise, a surprise turn, I should say, you know, how they like to punish all signs of hope in this movie, in that movie. <laughs> Seriously. And it's like, why don't you just, just leave? Just get out of the house. Like, you know, if you're getting the vibes, hey, we shouldn't be in here. Chances are probably shouldn't be in there. You know, that'd be either way. I'm happy to see. Uh, I'm curious what a sequel would actually be like just because it seemed pretty cut and dry from the first one. Other than the fact that the... What was that? It'd be like making a follow-up to like It Follows or something, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like pretty cut dry, like leave it, leave it at that, you know? Yeah, I, I guess that that does, that does add up. But yeah, we'll definitely see how it turns out, even if it even happens. Which, which there's, a good, there's a good chance it will, but it always, it always might yeah. Something that is happening, though, and for the same studio, that is Sony... Uh, we now know who is going to be doing the next Bond theme. Uh, the next Bond theme will be written and performed by, not by, written, but definitely performed by uh, one Miss Billie Eilish. <laughs> um, yeah, she'll be doing the next Bond song, which I don't think is, uh, I don't think it's an awful choice. It's just Maybe not who I would have gone with. Yeah, I, I yeah, not who I would have gone with either, but yeah. I think she's talented. I think she'll do a fine job. Uh, although granted, I'm one of the, I'm one of apparently a few people who liked writing on the wall by Sam Smith. Oh, dude, I loved it. Yeah, you're you're, you're not the only one, dude. Oh, I, I'm you. on board. I love the Dells. Um, yeah, I Dells. they've been really. I, I th- I the mo- the most really consistent good. thing about about about, about, about Craig's Braun franchise has been the theme song. They've all been. Oh, all been yeah, good. phenomenal. Except for the quantum. Yeah, yeah. Chris Except for Corn- the quantum theme, I don't like the quantum theme. Chris Cornell, and then what? Wasn't it Jack White and Alicia Keys? Yeah, that's the one. I don't really like that one all that much. That's the only. That's the only like. Chris odd, Cornell. Odd oh man, that was yeah, tremendous. You know my name. Like that. Skyfall again. Skyfall. I like writing on the wall. But yeah, hopefully, hopefully, yeah. Uh, look, this is this is Daniel Craig's last one. Hopefully, this will be. Uh, this will be uh, his. It'll be his swan song, so to speak, for sure. And like, yeah, don't be ashamed of liking uh, Sam. Yeah, Sam Smith. It's weird. No. every time I bring up that fact that I like. No, that song. We're just like, oh, that song sucks. No, it's. it's I, don't, I don't think some, it's a bad song. I think it's good. I think it's quite good. Sam Smith's a great singer. Yeah, I I'm on board with that. So yeah. All right. Uh, so uh, next piece you're talking about. I'm, I'm trying to get all this stuff out before we get to the actual like Disney news. Uh, Next piece of news talking about is it was about this. Uh, we are uh, so in 2004, I think. Sounds about right. 2004, we got the hit comedy Mean Girls. Uh, that spawned it was 04. Yeah, that spawned a Broadway musical, Mean Girls the musical. Now we are getting Mean Girls the musical of a movie. Uh, Tina Fey has confirmed we will get a feature film adaptation of the Broadway musical. Granted, not the first time this has happened, 
in that a movie you know, inspiring a musical then inspiring a movie based on that musical i mean uh, the producer did that granted the movie is that movie was really bad uh i mean the, the the remake i love the original but the remake kind of sucks uh uh you also had little shop of horror which was a uh b movie turned into off-broadway musical then turned into a uh, feature film which we reviewed on this show you can go check that out uh i have i'm not familiar with, with the broadway musical mean girls i'm assuming you aren't either no, I'm not. I, I mean, I've seen the 04 film uh, numerous times. Really yeah, enjoyed so that film. Really good I, film. I don't, I don't dislike this movie. I think it's a bad call. I, I think it's kind of odd to do it so close to the original. Because you look at like Little Shop. Little Shop, the musical movie came out like 20 some odd years after the original movie. And you look at the producers, also came out like 30 to 30 or 20 some odd years after the original film. This is 15, though. It's still, I mean, it's there. Yeah, okay, you know what, I guess, I, guess, I guess that's a good point, I forgot, wow, 2004, 15 years ago. Yeah, actually, as I'm thinking about it, like, I feel like it was yesterday I went and saw that movie. Yeah, but uh, either way, uh, w- would, would you watch a musical <laughs> version of the show Mean Girls? Or, or, or movie, I mean, the movie Mean Girls? Out of curiosity, yes, do I really want one? No. Um, like I said, I love the film. I think it's a, you know, it's a, it's a really good film. I think it's one of, uh, Lohan's, you know, better films. Oh, 100%. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I would say the curiosity factor. Yes. Do I really want one? No. So, uh, would I go see it? Sure. Um, but it's not something that I'd be dying to go see. And yeah, on top of it, like, how would you make, like, how do you make that into a musical? I, I just, I, I can't, well, they, I don't they, know. They did it. Russell, it's on Broadway. <laughs> Well, yeah, no, I know that, but I'm just like, I've never seen it, or I don't know anything like about it. I just know that, obviously, they use the, the movie as their basis for it, but, like, how do you make a musical out of that? I have no idea. Like, it's it's really, uh, this really may, strange. It may be very curious to go, like, listen to the soundtrack for the Broadway musical. Yeah. Well, yeah, we'll see. Call, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm queuing up Spotify. Let's get crazy. Uh, next story we're talking about is uh, Parasite. Uh, Parasite is getting a six-episode like miniseries uh, on HBO. I'm not sure if this. Will, I'm not sure if it'll be in uh, America. I'm not sure if it'll be American or if it'll be South Korean. But uh, we we are seeing Bong Joon Ho come back to work on it. In addition to him, Adam McKay is going to come back to work on it. I heard this story. I heard like Adam McKay is making Parasite for HBO. I'm like, what? And Bong Joon Ho is helping him. I was like, what? Not like a lie, not the guy I thought would tackle that Parasite for American audience, which, I mean, was inevitably going to happen. So would you be interested in a, because like Bong Joon-ho said, it's going to be an expansion of the world he crafted in Parasite. So would you be down for an expanded, uh, long-form version of Parasite? I mean, we both love the movie. I mean, I I don't really, I feel like the movie gives you enough, you know what I mean? Without, you know, I mean, it kind of leaves you to wonder, you know, in your own, make up your own type of, you know of thoughts and stuff like that about the film. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I guess I feel like everything's trying to elaborate on something, you know what I mean? Um, but I mean, will I watch it? Yeah, I would. Cause I really like the movies. So I'm like, yeah, it's probably one of the ones where I'm like, yeah, I mean, I'll watch it. Um, again, was it something that I would really necessarily think or want? No, but I mean, you know, directors on board with it and, you know, Adam McKay's, you know, he's, good enough so yeah i i mean i'd be curious enough i like is this supposed to take place while the movie's still taking place too from what i had heard or what i read about it oh was it well, from what i heard 
like when you're not seeing them on camera or whatever, this is what's going on, something like that. I, I don't know how, how accurate that is. Don't quote me on it. I just remember I thought I read something about that. That's how they were going to set that up. Right. Now, would you, would you prefer this to be like an American remake or like an expansion from the South Korean world? I say I keep, keep it South Korean. I mean, I, I don't think I don't think you need to change it. I, you don't need to modernize it and make it, you know, American. No, I, I you really, don't. No, because the the themes, regardless of language, still carry over. So I mean, that's yeah. that's, that's not an issue. That's not an issue. Now, um, but what I but would you? And, but I'm speaking for me. Would I be offended if it was American? Also, also no, because I don't think I don't think no. anything about is inherently South Korean. <laughs> No, it's not like there's like cultures or anything like, you know, ceremonies or like religion or anything like they tap into anything like that. It's a generic story. It's about life. I mean, you could do that in any culture, any, you know, ethnicity. It doesn't work. You know, uh, let's let's explain. Let's make parasite in every country. Let's get Canadian Um, parasites, Italian parasites, English parasites, Iraq parasites. There we go. That's HBO. Get in touch with us. Parasites just get crazy with it, man. Yeah. Uh, next story we talk. Next non Disney story we're talking about. I felt need to press it. That uh, James Mangold lining up his next two projects. First of which is a Bob Dylan biopic, which would start Timothy Chalamet. The other one is be reaching with Matt Damon in a in a gritty cop drama called The Force. So, if I gave you the choice. Would you rather see uh, James Mangold directed Bob Dylan biopic during Timmy Chalamet or the Matt Damon Grey cop drama? Which one do you pick? Which one do you I'd take? say I'd say Chalamet. Dylan. Really? We've seen gritty cop movies before. I mean, I don't think you've seen a whole lot. I mean, you've seen a couple, but not a you know well crafted Bob Dylan film. You know what I mean? So hey, why not? We we, we had a, I'm still here. I mean, it I'm was sorry, okay, I'm not, but I'm when not I, there. I'm not there. Or I'm not there, there. yeah. Um, but I feel like we've seen the gritty cop, I mean, in like every decade, you know what I mean? Like, fair enough, there's fair always that. There, I, based on that, I would go strictly Dylan. I mean, how about you? I probably, I probably lean towards the Matt Damon ones because. Really? I feel, yeah, I feel like I got everything out of, out of Bob Dylan that I needed to with I'm Not There. Yeah. Also, mm-hmm. would this be, like if it's would this be early Dylan? I, I would assume so. Because Timothy Chalamet is obviously younger. I mean, I, I, yeah. I mean, this is like him growing up. Like, I mean, I, I don't understand. Is he like the feature of the film? Like, or were they just like use Chalamet just for a little bit and then cast somebody else like as an older Dylan? I would assume it'd be it'd be like young young Bob Dylan. Which again, that I'm yeah. Also, I also don't think we need because, like I said, I got everything I felt like I need to know about Dylan when I'm not there. Also, yeah. I feel like if. I mean, yeah. Have you seen a lot of gritty cop dramas? Yes, but I feel like if there's some something Mangold wants to do, he'll probably have his own unique spin on it. So, I mean, uh, based on that, yeah, sure, I get it. But if we're just going based upon solely what you hear, gritty yes. cop drama. I mean, like you've heard it, you've heard it numerous times, and you've seen it numerous times. So, like, That's what fair. really can you do with a cop film that you haven't done already? That's the big issue, I think. All right. So, uh, yeah, it was that and all. So, uh, I said for the non-Disney films, but then we have a whole bunch of Disney, Star Wars, Marvel, all that good stuff. First of which, I think the one we're going to get the least talk about, at least me, uh, National Treasure 3 is happening. All right. <laughs> uh, I Yay. guess there was a... There, there, 
there was apparently such a huge <laughs> demand for National Treasure 3 and more Nick Cage stealing random crap from American history that they're making a third one. Which, why? Who's... Is there anybody like... Okay, Russell, do you want National Treasure 3? I mean, I, I don't really care, but I enjoyed the other two films just fine. Um, but man, it's been over, what, 10 or 12 years since we had a... Uh, Book of Secrets. National Treasure Book yeah. of Secrets the last one. Well, uh, what year was that? Was it like 07? I think, yeah, 07 or 09. Was it? Something like that. Anyway, it's been like at least 10 years that we've since, since we've seen one. But um, it makes sense because like what's really Nick Cage doing right now? So that's what struck that. I'm like, well, he's really not doing anything like, you know what I mean? So it makes sense that he would want to go back to, you know, a, a series that like it's really kind of beloved if you look at it. You know what I mean? It, it does well um, box office wise. So I don't see why it would be. I mean, I'll go see it. I'll support it. But um, is this something we need? Again, this is like a recurring theme. I feel like we don't really need it. Are we going to get it? Yes. I mean, it's one of those things. I feel like that's a lot of the the movies that are coming out now. I feel like there are movies that like nobody really asked for, but we're just getting, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm not really enthused by the idea of that. Natural, Natural Treasure 3. Just make, just make Indiana Jones 5. Make a real Indiana Jones movie. It's just all this, all this stuff. Uh, but at the same time, I mean, sure, could you? Could you? Yeah. Uh, like we said, Nicholas Cage doesn't have, well, I mean, Spider-Verse. I mean, that's kind of his, that's one part of his franchise I mean, now. I mean, yeah, but I mean, if we're looking at like, I'd rather see a, like, oh, you really can't do that. I'd say leaving Las Vegas too, but you really can't do yeah, that. Yeah, you can't obviously. do that. Uh, and, ra- raise, oh, wait raising, a minute, he didn't. He, raising Arizona he, too. He didn't die. He didn't die. It's a joke. Wait, he didn't die. He was just really, un- he was unconscious. He drank himself into a coma and he got out of it. And yeah, he's, yeah. I, yeah, I don't know. Ra- Raising Arizona too. Con there Air you two. have it. Or Con Air 2. Uh, the Rock 2. Uh, the Weatherman. The Weatherman 2. Family guy. Wickerman family, family Man 2. Family Guy uh, 2. There we go. Put, put him fa- in family or Family Man, sorry. Family Man 2. Um, uh, yeah. Three it could happen you. to you, part 2. For that weird following who's excited for Natural Treasure 3, I'm happy for, I'm happy for you. <laughs> Uh, next story we're talking about is, uh, I don't know. I don't know what to tackle next. Actually, just talk about this. We have a bunch of Marvel news to talk about right now. Uh, let's start with the first one. That is WandaVision. The Marvel Disney Plus series has moved up. It was set for a, uh, early 2021 release. has now moved up to 2020, which tells me that this series has to be going like really well. And there must be like really excited about it. Mm-hmm. To give it that up like that, and I wonder if that means that Falcon Winter Soldier is going to move up, which is, which is filming right now. Uh, but I wonder if that, like now, as a business, do you think they move that to like the summer, and then let uh, WandaVision have the fall? I mean, it would it would be smart to have it have their own, you know, separate seasons, I guess. But um, they're confident enough in pushing it up. I don't see why they and you know the Falcon, you know, series or whatever is going. You know, I I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, it would make sense for them to do that. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, and plus, I think, yeah, we would benefit from having two shows, two Marvel shows having, you know, that kind of time to breathe and not being so close to yeah. each other. I but also, really ups my anticipation for WandaVision just because, just because of everything I hear about it, of course, like, weird and, like, really trippy and, like, really interesting. And plus, like, this, this move up makes me all the more excited for it. Yeah. Uh, but this is also the curious thing that is supposed to lead into Doctor Strange 2. Speaking of Doctor Strange 2, 
Doctor Strange, uh, Multiverse of Madness has just lost its director. Scott Derrickson has exited the project. Mm. Uh, now, uh, I don't know. How do, you, how do you feel about the first Doctor Strange, Russell? I liked it. I thought it was a very underrated uh, MCU film. I, 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 agree. I really enjoyed I agree. it. I, I, I liked it a lot. You know, I thought Derrickson did a great job with what he was giving. I thought you know, Cumberbatch put on you know, a great performance as Doctor Strange. I liked everything around it. Um, I thought it was really good. I thought it was a solid film. Really underrated, I think, out of the MCU films. Yeah, no, this is I, I do like this film quite a bit. I'm you know, I like a like a very like vocal people who like really just think it's like a crap film. I don't, I don't agree with that. I see there are no. like, tons of comic movies that are, that are way worse than Doctor Strange. I think it's a very I think it's a very maybe most visually interesting than any Marvel movie. Because the visuals they put in that movie are fantastic. And I thought that bringing Derrickson back so we can go all in on that was a good idea, but seeing that he's gone now, uh, I'm I'm not sure. Like, but I, I'm not like panicking now that he's gone because Derrickson he's not like irreplaceable. It's not like a James he, Gunn or a Russo brothers who like these guys have these guys have such like a unique voice and have like said they're so integral to their character their respective characters that you can't find a person to replace them. No, you can't you can replace Derrickson if you wanted to. I mean, yeah, you could. I mean, but granted, you, you gotta keep in mind too, you only have Derrickson giving you one film. So you didn't get a shot to give you that, you know sure. what I mean? Give that you that fair. thing to, to, to say, hey, you know, this guy's really good, uh, good director and we want to keep him around. Look what he's done. I mean he's only done one film. Um what Derrickson did with the first film I thought was good enough. I enjoyed it. Um and then this also tells me did Derrickson maybe not like the direction that they wanted to take Doctor Strange from there? You know what I mean? Yeah, so very, uh, uh, they had to probably had some like creative differences yeah. behind the scenes. And this, so, I, yeah. but this this was also poised to be like a big movie in the universe. It got that Covenant May slot, which only the important yeah. movies get that one. Yeah, only, so like, I'm the, kinda, big, the big ticket ones. I'm kind of curious to see um, who's going to step up. I don't know. I'm very. I'm, I'm, I'm sure there's going to be. They're going to get someone like smaller. Someone like more unknown to do this movie. If I had but then, do we do we then backtrack? I mean, do we do we lose a couple steps? You know what I mean? Because Derrickson did a really good job and really kind of catapulted Doctor Strange into the MCU. Now with that gone, you know what I mean, and everything that he put forth, do we have a talent enough to kind of like do you know do honor with the first film, but kind of you know go our own creative way in the second? I don't know. I like it. It is it is kind of sucky that that uh, played out like that. It is, and I'm I'm sad he's leaving. But regardless, we're we're getting a new director probably soon because it's still slated for that uh, May 2021 release date. So it's some, yeah. someone's got to step up pretty soon. Yeah. So we'll we'll see we'll see who gets the job. Uh, next piece we're talking about. Uh, oh, other movie coming out in 2021 is Thor: Love and Thunder, uh, and in talks to join that film is one Mr. Christian Bale. Uh, Batman himself is set to join the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which I I was shocked when I heard this. I wouldn't if, if you told me like a few years a few years back, hey, Christian Bale is gonna at some point is there's just possibility of Christian Bale joining the Marvel Cinematic Universe and be like, go fuck yourself. Um, yeah, there's no there's no way. Yeah, but I feel like with the addition of, of with the with the addition of Taika, I think I feel like Taika Waititi is gonna be the main selling point for him. It because to work with a director like like him, who's so free and so like again has such a unique voice, uh, also Oscar nominated now. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like Tyke is done, but I also feel like he's going to be a role that is going to require very minimal 
from him. Like he'll yeah, either I don't be, see it being a, yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't see him coming back for like like three or four movies. Just give me Kirk and I'll be happy. Korg. Korg. I, Korg's my guy, man. I love, oh, he's so awesome. Yeah, I feel like uh Christian Bell will be playing either the villain or the character called Beta Ray Bill, who basically takes up a he takes up uh, the Thor mantle. He's an alien who becomes worried for the power. Uh, but I, I feel like he'd do that one just because he's just a voice. It's yeah. It's motion capture, or maybe maybe it's motion capture. But I feel like he'd take a very like minimalistic requirement role like that. But either way, yeah, I, I, love can't, see, I, I can't. I can't see him join the movie. I love to see. Him yeah. Join the I mean, I'm glad he's joining it. I can't see there being a big, you know, significant role to where he would be a recurring. Uh, you know, character in an MCU film. So yeah, I, I agree. Oh, sorry. That would, would have been a much better segue for the last one. Uh, Captain Marvel directors, uh, uh, crap. What are their names? Um, uh, Nicole, not Nicole Parman. Nicole Parman is the writer. It's a bad, it's a bad sign when I can't remember the director's name. Oh, Anna Bone and Ryan Fleck. Uh, they are set to not return to direct Captain Marvel two, which is aiming for, I think like a 2022 release. Again, I also don't think this is, the big loss because I feel like their direction on the first one was pretty weak. And I like the movie. Yeah. I mean, I enjoyed it. I, I, I liked it. It was, it was good enough. I mean, I, I really feel like, um, it got a, like a ton of unnecessary hate. I mean, I thought it was just fine, but like all these people saying, Oh, Brie Larson's awful, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, okay. Like she's first off, she's an Oscar winning actress. Not saying that that justifies anything. By any means, but if you look at her acting in Room, she's—I mean—the girl has acting chops. I mean, I she think, does. and direct, kind of how you said, I think that, it, that little bit of that does with the directors too. The directors really didn't maybe challenge her enough to like really showcase the type yeah, of actress I, 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 I that feel she like is. She, I feel like she wasn't. I, I check out her, her performance in that movie, which I'm not super big on. I check out the Bad Direction. Yeah, I, yeah, I would too. I'm not going to take it up on her. Um, we'll see with. Potentially, you said they are they're going to uh, different directors, or they yeah they have different directors for Captain Marvel. So too. it might be interesting to see that it might have the reverse effect of like you know Derrickson leaving uh, Doctor Strange. Maybe this is what they needed to kind of you know uh, up the ante, so to speak, and, and really get a solid performance out of. And you know, hey, look uh, how look how much better look how much better Captain America got when the Russo stepped in. Oh, Captain! The first one, the first one's awful. Oh, uh, I, I really think it's. Boring. I'm not gonna go that far. First first boring. Awful. It's boring. It's absolutely but boring. It was. It's a very old I'm gonna, tiny movie, which I which I'm, I'm cool with. But the second one takes up yeah. to a whole another level. Oh, I Winter Soldier absolutely elevates that whole entire uh, franchise. But um, to me, I just the you know the first Avenger just was kind of uh, it was kind of boring. I don't know. To me, I, I may need to rewatch it again. But I just remember watching it a couple times. Just like yeah, it's kind of whatever. Yeah, but regardless, we'll see who steps in to direct Captain Marvel 2. I have a suggestion. We'll get to that in a second. The last Marvel story we're talking about right now, Michelle Yeoh of Captain Tiger Hidden Dragon fame is in talks for Shang-Chi, which seems like a no-brainer, although she's already actually in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. She had a minor role in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 at the end of the film. Uh, but if James Gunn is not planning to use uh, her in Guardians 3, which he should, but I'm not going to tell James Gunn what to do, I think Shang-Chi is a really... Considering like the reputation she has for Asian cinema and like kung fu films, I think she's a great fit. Yeah, I mean, I, I would agree. I would agree with that. I mean, you got, you got Tony, you got a uh, Hong Kong legend Tony Leung in the film. 
why not why not get Michelle Yeoh, who's also having like a really great career bounce back toward the later half of this of this decade. The Crazy Rich Asians, uh, I mean, the movie's not great, but she it's a very big film with uh, Last Christmas. She was in that uh, it, Ma- it Man spinoff, Master Z. Uh, I, I think she's a good. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I would I would agree with that. Yes, we'll see if she, ends up, if she ends up joining. Just in talks right now, not confirmed. And moving on to our Star Wars news, first of which, uh, the Obi-Wan Kenobi series has been put, reportedly been put on hold as they're taking more time to work out the script. Uh, oh, no, yeah, uh, that's not not really a uh, good sign. Uh, I guess, no, I guess no. if you ain't Mandalorian, you ain't shit for Disney Plus yeah. and Star Wars. Seriously, it's like, who, who is everybody else right now? Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's been told that he'd been taking time to taking time to work out the scripts. I think one of the writers exited, so they're they're. Uh, I really hope this happens because I want to see Hugh McGregor get a good shot at the role of Owen Kenobi again. Yeah, I agree. And, it's, yeah. and it seems like he's it's a role he's want he wants to do. Yeah, because he, I mean, he really you know really embodied that in the you know the first three films. So yeah. I, I don't see why they, you know, I, hopefully that it happens. They set it up right, and he gets a shot to kind of really, you know, really showcase himself as Obi-Wan. Now, this, this, this did have a director slated for all, like, six to eight episodes. It was going to be Deborah Chow, who directed him as Mandalorian. Now, I'll come back to Captain Marvel. If this if this one is really on hold, and it's going to be on hold for the foreseeable future, I hope that she gets the chance to direct Captain Marvel too. I think she's really talented. I think she some of the best episodes of Mandalorian are the ones she directed. I think she, I think she could, and she clearly has a good relationship with Disney. I think she could listen to really special to Captain Marvel if she's not doing Obi Wan, which I want to be her first priority. But that's not happening to Captain Marvel too. Uh, but yeah, like 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 I I haven't obviously still have not watched Mandalorian yet. I'm probably like the only person who hasn't yet. But obviously, with kind of how you said, if 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 she you know the episodes that she directs do resonate with fans and are like some of the best ones of the Mandalorian series. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a no brainer why you wouldn't put somebody like that up to a Captain Marvel, you know, two film. I mean, it just makes sense. hundred percent. And the last story, which is the one that is very, I think is very exciting. If it actually goes down, which has a good chance of doing it. Uh, Taika Waititi has been approached to direct a star Wars movie. No more, whether or not it's going to be, the one Kevin Feige is producing, or the one that Ryan Johnson's working on right now, but yeah, there he has been approached to direct a film for the Star Wars, the Star Wars universe. Uh, no, he hasn't taken it yet, but I do think that he has that relationship, working relationship with Lucasfilm and great relationship with Disney to the point where he would do it if he felt like it was something he yeah. wanted to do. So, would you want to see a Taika Waititi directed Star Wars movie? I mean, sure. I think it's actually maybe kind of maybe even something that we need right now. Um, obviously, with the divisiveness of you know, obviously like just the last the fans last in general, you and I like our take with Ryan Johnson, JJ Abrams. Just in general, I think you need somebody with that different, a whole different, you know, vibrancy. What can I say? Uniqueness as a director like Taika Waititi. So I, I think, you know, he could breathe new life into the whole Star Wars, uh, you know, Star Wars franchise. So why not? I, I, I'd be curious. He really could. I really hope he's doing the, I, th- I think the better for him would be the Kevin Feige produced Star Wars film, just because the two of them work yeah. so well together already. <laughs> yeah. After, I mean, uh, you, you first, have that. Yeah. The, the, the first, the first uh, oh, not the first, the third Thor, I should say. 
and the fourth Thor, which is coming soon. Yeah, I mean, if you have the rapport, stick with it, stick with what works. If it's a winning, you know, if it's a winning uh, equation, you know, absolutely just make it happen all the time, you know. So we'll see what happens. It should be interesting, but I would, I would be on board with that. Yeah, we'll definitely see what happens. But either way, that's going to do it for Notorious News here, so which means we move on to our uh, movie of the week, that being 2014's Whiplash. So, Whiplash. This movie came out in 2014, which is now six years ago. This was the astounding winner of our poll. Like, not even close. Yeah, and uh, in hindsight, because we obviously had movies that we picked for 2014, respectively, a couple couple for you, a couple for me, and one that we agree on together. And I didn't think, I, I knew Whiplash was a good choice. I didn't think it was going to be that overwhelming, you know what I mean? Like, no. without a doubt winner no, not, not like this not like this no but regardless this actually this does have a fair interesting amount to talk about i i, th- I think this is, this is a fairly well-made film i think i, I like oh, it quite yeah. a bit i do too hey yeah there's so much this so this was the i believe the directorial the feature and directorial debut he did like short the feature debut of david i think he, i think it's based on a short film that he that he also directed yeah uh, yeah, this came out to the world by storm, and watching it again, you can see why. So let's not waste more time. Let's get into Whiplash. So we start the movie off right off the right at the gate. We meet our main two characters: Andrew, played by Miles Teller, and uh, Fletcher, played by J.K. Simmons. And something I give this movie credit from the from the opening scene, you can already tell you can already tell everything you need to know about each of these characters. Yeah, I mean, because, yeah, you have Andrew who's completely, we see he's so submerged in playing drums, and then you see Fletcher on the flip side is submerged in his own way of pretty much, you know, being in control. Like, he wants that. But, like, you, 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 you see, like, Andrew, he's young, he's idealistic, he want, he's, uh, he's aspiring for greatness. You got Fletcher who, yeah, he's very, he's very, cal- he's very calculated, he's very callous, and yeah, you, you you see it all within the first few minutes. I give him yeah. props for setting that up. Yeah, uh, they absolutely set that up like that. Yeah, uh, so he's just he's like Andrew playing. You see, he's just Fletcher. He stops. He's just like, why you stop playing? Like, uh, I and then he started playing again. Just like that. Ask you start playing again. Yeah, I asked you why you stop playing, and your response turned into a wind up monkey. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, he uh, trying to get this. This whole one revolves around this whole double time swing, which I guess is I'm not I'm not I'm not a drummer. I, I don't play the drums. I play I play guitar, I play bass. Uh, it's, I guess it's all about I'm playing like like super fast. Uh, and, and you can you can put it together from watching the entire movie. It was something I think it's funny. Like he he starts doing this whole double time swing. He looks up. Fletcher's gone, and he comes back, and it's like oh whoops, forgot my jackets. Yeah, because he I, thought, yeah, yeah, I, you you did that on purpose. Yeah, and that's the whole thing about this film that you know, obviously we'll talk in, but it's it's constantly like I feel like Fletcher has to be one up on the situation. Like he he's already planning his steps. You know what I mean? He's like three steps ahead of of Andrew's character in this film. Yeah, he's at the at the Schaefer Conservatory of Music, uh, which I'm I, I don't I don't know. But you know that's a real school. That I don't know. Yeah, but, well, we also see later he's hanging out with his dad, played by random casting, Paul Reiser, of all yeah. people. <laughs> Very random casting. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's cool seeing Paul Reiser and stuff. I like Paul Reiser. 
it, it, it is just weird to see him and, and like it's weird to like have like a dad be such like it's such a minuscule role and to have like Paul Reiser who I mean he's not like a huge actor but still he's no he's yeah. uh, he's a name but he they really don't do anything like <laughs> outside of go to the movies together watch movies together and eat raisinets <laughs> and eat raisinets in popcorn but yeah I'm go- I, I I I eat around them why did you, you tell me that <laughs> yeah it's like um that just yeah. Oh, we also we should also mention that the uh, woman who woman who plays the uh, concession stand girl is Nicole. Uh, Nicole. Yeah, that's oh. her name, uh, Melissa oh. ben- Benoist. Yeah, Melissa Benoist, who would go yeah. on to play Supergirl on the CW. There you her go. Her career is doing well. That's good for her. Uh, she actually becomes a little bigger factor later in the movie. We'll get to that in a second. Uh, so we uh, so we go off we go off in the movie. Uh, we see that he is. He's second chair to this other guy. His name's like Ryan. Is his name Ryan? Oh, uh, you're talking about uh, uh, you talking about second chair to what the hell is his name? In the in the, in the, in the, in the yeah the they do the not, red hair. Not, not Connolly. It's the other. It guy. is no. It is Connolly. It is. Connolly. Is it Connolly? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because see, this is like the I guess the smaller time bands. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, we we see that we see that that's where that's where he is, and he also really aspires to be. He, you you, you completely understand that Fletcher's jazz band is like the top tier, like the gold standard in this in this school. Yeah, there's like a lot of pride to be you know to be felt when you're like chosen for this you know for the band because it, it's like yeah, how you said it's like the elite, but you know you've made it in that school when you're a part of this. Yeah, this is something that Andrew. It's something Andrew really wants to get to. So yeah, he's 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 but he's already busting his ass pretty hard just to stay working. So then we get to the next scene where we get to a, we get to another one of his practices, and Fletcher comes in, and it's very few characters. Do you have walk in? You feel the oxygen leave the room. Yeah, because that's the, this is the scene where. Um, this is the other thing I think it's kind of funny too, because Fletcher kind of already is sabotaging Andrew from the get go. Um, we, we see that at the beginning, remember he sets the practice. He tells him the practice is at 6am and he goes, at oh, 6 well, no, 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 it's, it's, after, it's after this whole, this whole interaction. Is it? No, I thought the, the first, um, the first interaction was when he, when he told him well, about, uh, well, no, well, no, cause he hadn't, he hadn't made, he hadn't made the band yet. This is where he makes the band. Okay, never mind then. Okay, okay. But anyways, uh, like, yeah, the, okay. The, the thing about Fletcher is Fletcher is an unrelenting dick to a yes. hilarious degree. <laughs> yes, he is. Yeah, he is like pretty much like a dictator when it comes to, uh, you know, being a. But a like conductor. the the things he says and the things he does, like. For, like you watch, you're just like, how do you still have a job? First, he's of all? The, yeah, he's the Bobby Knight of music school. Yeah, and second of all, it's just like I do wonder how many of his lines were improv- improvised because J.K. Simmons is a very quick guy. Yeah, I, I'm sure Chazelle probably kind of like <clears throat> let him have free reign on kind of just you know just go with the flow. You know what I mean? Because he's catching him like when, when he's in character, he's dialed in. You know, you could tell. Yeah, and I do. Like, he, he had like a little. Jabs here now, like goes like one of the first chair horns. That's like, okay, your first chair. Let's see, just because you're cute. She plays like three notes. It's like, yep, that's why. Yep. <laughs> he keeps going. Yeah, <clears throat> but yeah, he so he hears uh, everyone. Everyone play just like drums with me, and it's Neiman or Andrews, you should say. Uh, and so yeah, he 
he made the he made the uh, top tier jazz band. And this this is what scene you're talking about. He tells him, yeah, at six a.m. or, or it's, like, it's like five or six. It's six a.m. the next morning, but don't be late. Yeah, yeah. He also uh, gets a date with uh, Nicole. 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 Like Natasha, Natalie, Nicole. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Nicole. So yeah, you, you you feel that confidence really start to build within Andrew. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, you go to the next day, it's 6 a.m. and nobody's there. <laughs> and again, I, like I said, like, I'm sorry, like I said before, before, you know, when I was speaking ahead here, but it's like, this is where J.K. Simmons, Fletcher's character is almost like baiting him right now. This is where he's kind of setting him up here just to see, because you figure he could have left. He easily could have went back and slept, but he stays in the, in the room for the next three hours. Yeah. He, he waits yeah. like the practice until 9 a.m. Yeah. Which is, <laughs> which sucks, really, man. Yeah. Damn. I, yeah. I, yeah you, you feel bad. You feel bad for him. Because uh, but, all, yeah, because he's like he's tired, and that now on top of it, he's been up for three hours. Oh, by the way, now you have to be completely focused for your first um, your first practice. You know, no pressure. Uh, yeah. So uh, the rest of the jet, the rest of the uh, band gets there, and you can you can basically tell like he this is. This is not a band. This is a well-oiled machine. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> uh, like everyone's ready, everyone's everyone's getting prepped, uh, and then it's pretty much like every military scene where like they're you know getting getting everybody loading up, they're cocking their weapons, their yeah. instruments. Yeah, and it's funny because it, it reminds you of kind of like if Arlie Ermy was like teaching music. You know what I mean? That's the thing. Like, yeah, I, yeah. You want you want to know about about Fletch, Terrence Fletcher? Imagine, yeah. yeah like imagine Arlie Irving became a bandage, or imagine I don't know. Do you watch Oz, Russell? I do not. Would that be a surprise? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, but uh, yeah, uh, J.K. Simmons' character on Oz, yeah, is okay. very, he is is very similar to this. Okay, like if if he didn't do crime instead became a jazz a jazz teacher, this this would be this is what he would be. Yeah. Uh. So, and li- literally, so he. Fletcher enters at 9 a.m. on the dot. Like everyone's like standing. He stand. They're standing at attention. They are ready. They're yeah. not moving. Yeah, I mean, like it literally. The the clock just literally just the the second hand just hits the 12 and boom. He's in. He's in. He's ready to roll. Yeah. So uh, they st- <laughs> uh, they start they start up and like yeah he's, he's very casual. I've never seen a guy be so be so meticulous when conduct when conducting music yeah i mean he's like super meticulous by the by his own like standards that he has it has to be his way yeah but like you, you see the result of that because like these are actually some really well done jazz orchestrations oh yeah, absolutely and it sounds you know it, it sounds terrific i mean like the music in this movie is tremendous oh yeah it sounds incredible and also this is a weird thing to notice but i i couldn't have a notice how incredibly jacked J.K. Simmons is, and this before he got like even more jacked than he already he already is in this movie. Yeah, he, and obviously he had to have that skin tight black shirt on to kind of to kind of show you show off his uh, his upper body. But yeah, he's absolutely jacked in this film. I mean, he, he must have a serious case of old man strength. Not calling call <laughs> J.K. Simmons old, but he's uh, you know, a little bit of the old persuasion. Uh, but. <laughs> Yeah, so yeah, he also, he also keeps like jabbing right at his position. Just like he also like one like the it's like the base or something. He's like, "Now your boyfriend's dick. Don't come to her. Don't come to her." <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is completely like the non, yeah, obviously like a non traditional way of 
teaching music and just being a you know conducting music and stuff like that. He but it like he like how we said he runs it like a boot camp. It's it's super intimidating just to be even around it. You know. Yeah. So uh, this this was like so we come the first like major scene next time. We find out that somebody in the band is out of tune, mm-hmm. and it's just like nobody. Nobody wants this. Nobody wants this. Can't speak up because why would you? I mean, I mean, yeah, you're you're setting yourself up for failure and and like getting your ass chewed out. I don't think anybody wants that. So everybody kind of just stays hush. Yeah. So he goes to this to this one kid. He's just like, yeah, play something. He's like, do you think you're out of tune? He's like, yes. And he just he just turns the dial up to eleven at that point. Yeah. <laughs> he goes off on him. Yeah, kicks him out right on the spot. And the thing is, he wasn't even the one that was out of tune. Which is funny because he goes, but he didn't know that he was in tune. And he goes, that's the that's his pro- that's his problem. That's and, his that's just, and that's just as yeah. bad. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, he wants his whole band to be intact. He wants to know, you know, are you in tune or are you not in tune? And the fact that he didn't know whether or not he was in tune or out of tune was, was a downfall for him. So, yeah. But at, th- at that point, at that point, you have to make like if you're in that situation, you have to make a decision. I, I feel like Andrew has to make a decision as well. Do you stay and be verbally chastised for the next, I don't know, however long you're going to be here, or do you uh, just quit and drop right now? And Andrew decides to stay because he knows, and 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 what you know from sports and just anything in general, when you have somebody like that, that can also bring out the best in you and i think that's what and i think that's what andrew sees you know like wow this guy is setting this up but he's also going to challenge me and i think that's why andrew inevitably stays because he i think he knows that you know being a part of this is something that's going to benefit him you also see you also in the next thing you see like the you see see, like how deep his mental manipulation goes because he has scene where he's talking to andrew he's talking he asked me about his life he's saying like hey you're you're here for a reason say it Go like I mean, like yeah, you see like a really like nice tender moment between the two of them. And you know, just go in, have some fun, don't 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 worry too much. This is like a few this is like the a rarity because you will not see this type of scene in with I think he is trying to pretty much lower Andrew's guards almost. You know what I mean? In this scene. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. That's and yeah, JK we should talk about because JK Simmons is absolutely incredible in For this sure. film. I mean, well deserving. Obviously, one for you know best act, you know best, best supporting actor. actor, best supporting actor. It was, I mean, completely well deserved. But his range as a character, oh, there was, yeah, yeah. It, it's it seems like this and seeing we'll talk about later in the film that really just show that he's not just like that militaristic guy. He has several levels to him. And yeah, this and, was yeah. extremely well deserved Oscar. Like, I don't think there was anybody who was even going to come close to touching him. Oh no! As soon as I saw this movie, and I, I walked out, I was like, "There's no way that he does not win. Like, no way. If he doesn't, if like if he if he if he doesn't win, it was going to be a crime. Yeah, if he didn't gonna win, set, they're going to set Hollywood on fire if he loses. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, he 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 boosts Andrew up with a whole bunch of confidence to send to send him back in. Uh, playing the we find out that what Whiplash is. Whiplash is a is a piece of music of the film, but they're mm-hmm. sl- they're slow they're slowing it down just like again. Try to keep up. And he's he's doing he's doing pretty well. And even like Fletcher's, he's being really nice to him. He's throwing him compliments every now and then. And then we get to like we get to the famous scene. Oh yeah, which is the not my tempo part. Yeah, not my tempo. Yeah, so he's playing, and like no matter how many times he plays this set, he's like, it's not 
like not quite my type. He's always just like a hair off. Yeah, this is this is the famous where uh, is he rushing or is he dragging? Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's always it's always rushing or dragging. If you listen, and if you've seen this movie enough, you listen to this scene enough times, you can you can tell exactly. You, you're trying to get like fine tuned, and you can tell exactly when uh, when he's rushing and when he's dragging, like what and what he's doing at each point. Yeah, and you got to give really you got to give credit to the sound mixers in this case because this had this had to be like a meticulous job. They also won an Oscar sound mix. Which, which I think is again well deserved. Absolutely, because you have to, you know, you have to sync that in perfectly t- with the film and stuff like that. And it's yeah, I mean, it's a completely well earned. Yeah, so they uh, they keep going, keeps rush rushing or rushing or dragging, and then you you like, oh, you think he's got, it. and right where you think he's got it, he hurls a chair. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, again, this is like, again, a, a theme that we'll see throughout the whole entire film, though. Just when you, you know, you think that Fletcher, you know, is this good guy, then he turns the 180 on you. You know what I mean? And, uh, yeah, we really start to see his um, his crazy practices here. Yeah. So uh, he's asking, like, are you were you rushing or were you dragging? It's like, I don't know. And he's like, start start counting. And, and there's like one, two, three, four. Every time he gets a four, you just start. Start smacks him, him in the face. Yeah, like, I'm just like, what, what, like, what, what is this? The cat, the Catholic school of jazz band. Seriously, what is, what's going? Everybody's like, was I rushing? Was I dragging? And yeah, it's like you're, you're rushing. So you do know the difference. Yeah. And this whole back and forth between the two of them is just like you, you really feel the pain in Neiman because like you was like, oh, what, the, what, what happened to that guy? I was talking to like ten minutes ago. But it's amazing, and again, this goes to the character of Fletcher. Fletcher can build you up so hard and take you down just like in, a, in, a, in an instant like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, they take you down like you're nothing. And that's the thing. That's a common thing that we'll see throughout this whole entire film that you never know. And I think it's always because I feel like Fletcher's character in general just has to be in control. He has to control the situation. And, you know, Andrew, I mean, he, I mean, he starts crying, you know? But yeah, fucking. But also, Fletcher, he he pulls no punches, uh-uh. like at all. He is not afraid to go below the belt. Like he brings the fact that his like his mom left. He makes makes fun of the way he looks. Yeah, it's it it, it is crazy how mean spirited this teacher is. But at the same time, like you're really you're really invested in this. You are, and and again, that's and again the character of. You know, a Fletcher, you know, there's times where you like him. There's times where you just despise this guy. You know what I mean? And it's 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 all about J.K. Simmons's performance in this film. You know, the just the, you know, for, he can turn it on and off. Yeah. So but anyways, uh, Andrew takes his experience, decided to go and he decides to just go and practice. And you see, like, how hard, how hard he's practicing because, like, he's bleeding. He's got blisters. There is <laughs> He's making a mess with this fucking kid. Yeah, there will be some, blood, <laughs> and there was. Uh, <laughs> someone doesn't get enough credit for this movie performance. This movie's Miles Teller. Miles Teller's okay. tremendous. I feel like J.K. Simmons really took a lot of conversation. Miles, he was also really fantastic. I don't think he was. I think he played the drums for some of this, not all, not all of it. Yeah, like he. But yeah, the way he's acting and the way like he, the the way he acts where he's not talking. And where I was like all in the, like all in the face and all in his reactions, it's yeah. Because you, you can, it's, it's a really well done job. Well, because you can see he's pushing himself to the brink. You can see like he's li- literally at almost failure, 
You know what I mean? Like when they do, you know, when they talk about like lifting and stuff to that until failure, till you have nothing left. And that's what he is, is pretty much doing with these drum sessions where he's absolutely tearing his body apart to, to try to perfect being, you know, perfect drums. Yeah. Uh, we get to the next scene. We had the date between, uh, Nicole. Yes. Yes. Nicole. Nicole and Andy. This, now this is the one part aspect of the movie. I don't, really care for all that much because i okay. feel like it's kind of just i feel like it's kind of just not needed i mean i understand i understand the point it's it's a show in later scenes uh that andrew's becoming distant he's becoming wrapped up in his own world but yeah. at the same time this is where the movie kind of slows to halt for me i don't think the two of them have very good chemistry but but here's the thing i i, I agree with it but i think they're trying to set this up kind of how you said but they're setting this up to you know he has to have a life outside of music. It can't, it can't just be all music. Fair. So I think this is where, you know, he does have that kind of, you know, that common ground because he does go to the movies with his father. He has seen her before. So he's trying to break out of the shell because he's gaining that extra confidence by being in the, right. you know, part of, you know, the Schaefer, you know, the, the band and all that stuff and really trying to, you know, kind of break out of his shell. And I think this, I think her, is kind of the reason for it too, a little bit. So I find it, it, it is a little bit important. I mean, is it like extremely important? No. Could you cut it out of the film? Absolutely. But I think yeah. this is just to show you a different side of Andrew's character. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's fair. I also think this point could have made, been made a little stronger if he had like a long term girlfriend. They start ignoring. Now, that's and- true too, because this is just new. So obviously, the whole new newness of the relationship too yeah i mean if, if if it was a more serious relationship i think would have been better yeah like yeah you, th- you think about it if like he has a girlfriend who like he re- he's like really in love with and then yeah he, he starts neglecting her to the point and then just yeah. dumping her for this jazz band i think this point might have been made that would have made it stronger, a little stronger sure. absolutely like if they were like in a super serious relationship and then we see even even though he has been in this way longer than music he is still so engulfed in music that he kind of foregoes a serious relationship i could see that that would be or, or if yeah. you or if you have actors who have better chemistry because i feel like the chemistry also is not very it's not very good it's not but and again i don't know if that's because we, we know that this relationship is pretty much doomed anyway maybe I, mean, I don't know but yeah uh, let's see but we go on to the next day they have a big competition we see fletcher is talking to he's talking to one of one of his buddies and got a daughter he's like when you're older, you can play for me. And you feel me. It's like, no kid, run. Yeah. <laughs> but, but again, I like this scene because we see again, that, that on another, off switch. another side, another side of Fletcher. Exactly. The, the human, the human version of him, the, 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 you know, the, the grounded version of Fletcher, the, Oh, well, this guy's actually can be a very nice person, a caring, compassionate person. You know, I think that's why we need those scenes sprinkled in this film. Like even when he pulled Andrew aside, the first kind of humanistic, uh, scene that we saw now now we see him talking to this little girl and her father kind of again trying to trying to you know bring it back down a level to show you that there is a different side to fletcher than what we have been seeing yeah so you bring you bring it back up this is this is a big competition not like i'm not gonna let my reputation be ruined by yeah you. i can't remember the exact words you use but it, was, it wasn't it wasn't good but he also brings the fact that he doesn't he does not want to see folders lying around anymore <laughs> 
Yeah. And then like a, a dude comes in out of the side and is like, get the fuck out of my side before I destroy before I destroy you. Yeah, seriously. I'm just like, damn, like I don't even know who this guy is. He might even, he's not even part of the band. You don't even know this dude. Yeah, and it's like, okay. Yeah, he's like, and I, I, I was like, I can still fucking see him, any me. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, we see we see the result of Fletcher's you know hard ass teachings. Uh, great, uh, at least the beginning of great performance. Yeah, and uh, we get we cut to I guess the intermission. Uh, Neiman's holding the folder for the main drummer. I can't think of his name. Uh, let me see here. That would be Mister G- Mr. Gay Pride, the Upper West Side. What's what's? Hold on, da, 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 Tanner. Tanner, that's it. Thank you. Yes. Uh, Neiman's got got Tanner's folder, and he puts the he puts the folder down, like in a chair. He turns it back for maybe like twenty. Actually, well, not I, even. I want to I want to time this seriously because there's no so way. See. Okay, he puts yeah. he puts the folder down, grabs a soda, comes back, back. It's okay. gone. Ten, ten seconds. It hasn't even been. It's not even. Yeah, it's not even like twenty. It's like twenty seconds. You would have. You would have accidentally seen it you would have i mean you couldn't not see it you know what i mean of what happened to it yeah but the the the, fo- the folder is gone yeah <laughs> so they need to try they need to try and find it now i don't know what you think i don't know if you have any theory about that i think fletcher took that folder i think so too i would absolutely agree with that um because first off nobody knows what the folder is so why would they care about it you see a random folder out you're not going to pick it up if you don't know it you know what i mean so to me, yeah. I think I think Fletcher was sabotaging it from the get go. Yeah. Plus, like if you if you see a folder and you see a dude like within like ten feet of it, you're, you're not gonna, gonna assume it belongs to that guy. Common sense tells you, wait a minute, okay, so he's getting a drink. It's right there in the chair. Oh, he must have set that down. Yeah, but then again, but you would have seen. That's the other thing that you would have seen Fletcher though. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like is is, is Fletcher Batman? Like how, how did he yeah. get, get away without being seen? I don't know, but I absolutely agree with you. Uh, I've thought that before. I, I think Fletcher absolutely took the uh, the sheet music. Yeah, but anyway, he's, he goes to him and like it's at least one of my, one of my favorite lines he has in the movie. We're just like, yeah, it was your it was your fault, your responsibility. He's like, right? Why do you give it to Neiman? Like, yeah, you, you give you give a uh, calculator to fucking retard. You're gonna try and turn on the TV with it. But I like how Tanner is trying to throw Andrew under the bus for it, though. You know yeah, I mean? no, he's yeah Tanner. Tanner wastes no time no. trying to throw Andrew under the bus. He's like, dude, I gave you that. So all of a sudden, it shifted responsibility. Tanner's Tanner's the drummer, you know. Tanner's the main drummer, so obviously it should be his responsibility. Why would you give it to somebody else? The, you're the guy that's holding your sheet. Exactly. Like like if, yeah, yeah. Like if, you, if, if if you lose your folder, that's 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 your problem. Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, just like get, like get out there and think. Turns out he doesn't. Had a piece of music memorized, which I guess is a thing that jazz bands don't have to do because when I when I was uh, well, when I was in music, I I always had to memorize my music. Uh, but turns out, oh, what a coincidence! Uh, and Andrew has Whiplash memorized by heart, so which he's getting on the sense because we, which makes sense because we, I mean, we've seen his dedication to perfecting his drum, his drumming. So we obviously kind of know that. I mean, it makes sense that he would know this. It's also weird that Tanner doesn't, which I think kind of shows you that he isn't as serious about drumming as Andrew is. He's in cruise control. He he knows that he's 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 part of the ensemble, and that's okay. That's good enough for him. 
You know what I mean? He's, yeah. he's a part of it. Yeah. And and actually, that's a very good point because you bring that up. And like, I never thought about this. You could see this as, you know, bringing in, ne- like trying to motivate Neiman as well as trying to motivate Tanner to be better. Absolutely. Because what he does, and he even does it when Connolly comes in too later on. But what I think that's doing, that's trying to pull out the best in everybody is what he's trying to do out of this one, though. Yeah. But, so, yeah. Uh, so we go to the next day. We find out that Neiman has bumped up from Paige Turner to core member, which basically means like he's he's now a starter. Yeah. Uh, Con- Connolly's been benched. Not Connolly. Uh, Tanner, Tanner's Con- been benched. Connolly's not here yet. Yeah. No. Tanner is now the uh, pissed off, the former starting quarterback who's mad now. He got demoted to the bench. Yeah. We also see that. Uh, so we also start to see the divide between uh, Neiman and we start to see the greater divide between Neiman and the other other people in his life like you see we see that he is ignoring uh we see that he's on the bus and he's ignoring his uh i guess his girlfriend to talk about the watch some like drummer videos we see he's at dinner with uh i'm not sure if they're family friends or relatives i think i think i think it's her cousins or relatives yeah it's her cousins like he the his, his attitude has just completely shifted to where like he's like he's really hostile he's kind of a dick yeah. <laughs> he's uh, he's kind of talking shit to the to his uh, whoever. Sing, I get we're gonna call him his cousins. It might not be his cousins. We're gonna call him his cousins. And he's being he's being a dick to he's being a dick to his cousins because they play like Division three football and they're doing really yeah. well. Which I think is funny though because I think and that's the other thing though because then when I watched it though I feel like they're kind of like rubbing accolades in the face. Well, of, they are. Of, they both. They both. Of, they are. Of, of Andrew, so I think Andrew went to defense mode, and obviously they're a Division three school. They're not D one, you know, D one school. So obviously, I, I mean, they're accolades nonetheless. But I think Andrew really kind of we see him really just cut down like their accomplishments by saying, "What's well, Division three? And I think that's where the one cousin calls him out and says, "Oh, why don't you play then?" or something like that. Well, no, I, I, I do love like the one he has back. He's just like, "Why don't you? Why don't you come play with us?" Like four words you will never hear from the NFL. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, and and again, I mean, a- Andrew does have a point. I mean, what are the odds of you know, oh, you know, kids from a D three school going in and making it to the professionals? Pretty hard, you know. What I mean, very slim. I, th- yeah. I think I think Kurt Warren might be the only one. Although I'm not sure he went to Division three, but he also bagged groceries before he uh, was an NFL quarterback too. So that is that is correct. Yeah, we continue on. We see that this is where Connolly comes in, the redhead guy from before that he was. Uh, Andrew, the page turner, or the page turner for. Yeah. Uh, he is being brought into studio band. Uh, so, yeah, uh, this, uh, he's trying to, I, I feel like An- he thinks that Andrew is becoming like uh, Tanner. He's becoming a little complacent. So, like, yeah, we're bringing in, bring in, uh, uh, bring in someone to challenge you. Yeah, this, uh, again, this is Fletcher's mind games from the, from the word go, like even at the beginning of the film, when I talk about like how he has like, even the, the small thing is like setting a practice, telling him at 6am, the practice is at nine. He's playing these mind games from the start, you know? Yeah. We also see that, uh, <laughs> it's funny because like he, he plays a little snippet of a, of a song caravan and it sounds, yeah. I'm not sure. If it's, I'm not sure how it's supposed to sound, but I, th- I thought it sounded all right. Yeah, and then it cuts. Uh, look, I don't know how it will sound, but I know it sounds better than Connolly's. Just like, eh, not not good. Connolly doesn't care. Connolly does it with the way it sounds. I don't think it sounds nearly as good. And yeah, it's oh, like, no. good, good job. And even he's like, "Are you kidding me? 
That I, shit? I, that shit, yeah. Because he's like, really? Like, this guy sounds like shit. You're going to promote him and demote Andrew. So, again, this is – I think this is Fletcher really trying to pull out from everybody to – to not be complacent. Don't just because you're chosen, you know, just because you're chosen, like your, your job's safe. You know what I mean? Yeah. We also see uh, a scene where, uh, yeah, we also see one more scene between, uh, Eamon and Fletcher. Fletcher, he had the phone call right after Conley does that. And you, you don't know what it's about yet, but you can tell it's something that wasn't, it's not good. Yeah. The point where like he's 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 fucking he's fucking pissed when he even tries to bring up this whole part to him. He's just like, you want the fucking you want the fucking part, earn it. And so yeah. uh, he goes off. This this is where he uh, he dumps he dumps Nicole. He's saying like, look, I'm gonna get really into my music, and it's not gonna be and it's not gonna be cool to you for you to date me. So why don't we just call it quits right now? <laughs> and again, I think they set this up obviously because of the fact that we have to see that Andrew is abandoning all of his extracurricular all of his other outside life to focus on drumming and drumming only he doesn't have time for these side distractions so to speak you know yeah <laughs> it's there if the girl rock they make it weak in the knees <laughs> <laughs> uh but yeah this this is a scene where we see him practicing like super like super super hard to get this tempo and like his like, he is sweating he's crying he is bleeding all over the kits yeah, this is this is a super intense scene where he even gets a picture of ice water and jams his hand into the ice water. You see all the the blood coming off of his hand because he's pounding it up so hard. Something we talk about this movie is the editing. This movie is one of the best edited films I've seen this decade, or I saw last decade. It's flawless. I mean, really, it is. I mean, you think about how fast some of the, these scenes are happening, and just the the edit. It's so smooth. Yeah, and not to mention, like, 2014 was, like, the year of, like, really well-edited films. Because you look, you, you look at what, here, movies came out in 2014. Uh, Whiplash, Birdman, Boyhood, uh, Gone Girl, John Wick, Grand Budapest, The Imitation Game, uh, The Babadook. All these, like, really well-edited movies all came out in the exact same year. Yeah, 2014 was a really good year for film. I can it see was. why it won. I mean, I can see why it won on the poll. I mean, there was, I mean, the five films that we put, like any one of those could have easily won the poll, easily, you know. But also, so, I mean, you, it, also, uh, yeah, you were saying. No, I'm saying, like 2014 in general, we just see how stacked it was. I mean, in, in general, I mean, the five films easily could have e- either any of the five movies we put on the poll could easily have won any other poll, you know. But especially like for. For like for the edit the editing of, of movies that year, like this this oh, must have been yeah. like a really this is one of the few years where best editing was the, probably the hardest. Game. I thought it was going to go to Boyhood for sure because you had to cobble together like twelve years of footage. That's true too, but also even look at Boyhood or Whiplash and look to last year's editing, Bohemian Rhapsody. I mean, come oh, on! Oh my God, it's night. I can't, I cannot believe those movie, those two movies are in the same class. No, but seriously, and it, and it's crazy because you look at it and you're like, oh my god, really? Like even Boyhood, Boyhood should be that that movie. Like anybody involved in that movie should be pissed because of the fact that Bohemian Rhapsody, which like a, it looked like a kindergartner edited, you know, <laughs> it looked like it was shot and edited by, by, by a Wolverine. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, but yeah, I thought that Boyhood is just looking like damn. If we 
if we came out just any, just any, if we came out four years later, we wouldn't own this category. Seriously, man. That's, I mean, it's, it's really crazy. I mean, and Boyhood was such a fantastic film. And, and even just, just how you said, all that footage of, you know, you know, how they grew up with this kid for 12 years and shot it. That, that would be super hard to like, you know, edit that film as well. Uh, so in the next scene, uh, Fletcher comes in, we see him. It's, it's a really rare scene where like, he's like really, really distraught. I find out that the call he got was that a student that he knew died. He said he, said he died in a car accident. Yeah. And he has a CD of him playing. He's like, I want you to hear how beautiful a player he was. And it's moments like this that really, that really kick his performance up a notch. You see him like get like genuinely emotional over the students. Again, another another scene where we see again a human side of Fletcher's character because this 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 guy that can turn into a monster does have a soft side, does have a heart, and we see that here because he you know he was one of his students and he really really was passionate about drumming and he really really you know Fletcher really took to this kid and really really uh, really loved the work that he was doing. Yeah. So, uh, anyways, we <laughs> we you know we, we get to practice, and then uh, Dick Mo gets turned back on. Because oh yeah, there's no time for that kind of stuff. There is, yeah. There's no t- no time for sentiments. We nope. got to play. Nope. Uh, and the thing is, like, I do wonder how these other jazz, these other band members feel because literally all his focus on the past. I don't know how long it's been. It feels like it's been like a year, but I I, I feel like it's been like. Oh, not a year. I feel like it's been a few months, but I feel like it's only been like a few days. Yeah. Uh, but I do wonder how these jazz members feel where just like all his attention over the past few days has been going to these drummers. They're probably so happy, though. They're probably, thank God. It's like, thank God. Yeah. They've been at us. Like, yeah, they've been at us on the other side of the, uh, of the it, of the chorus or whatever, and like, here we are. We don't have to worry about that kind of stuff now. He keep he keeps rotating. He keeps rotating these drummers because none of them can hit the tempo that he wants them to. What a marathon this is! Because you see the clock too going as they're like literally shuffling between Conley, Tanner, and Andrew playing the same exact uh, drum set. It's just like, oh my god. Yeah. So uh, he's just like, look, the rest of you guys, take a break. I, I take take a break. I don't. I don't care. I'm gonna. I'm gonna stay here with these guys until I find one of you that can play. That can play this tempo. Yeah, because the tempo is not to his satisfaction. He's like, you know what? We're gonna. We'll do this all night. And you see it. Like they are literally going for hours and hours. And I can only imagine the sheer exhaustion that these guys are going through. Oh God! It 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 it, it, it must it, it it must be hell because yeah, they're be. they're already they've already gone for they've already gone for. Like I think with two hours at this point, yeah, yeah, they're they're still going. Uh, and none of that could do it. And this this although does give me some of my favorites. Uh, Fletcher insults like it's like I said earlier, Mr. Gay Pride, the Upper West Side. Yeah, like, you do look you do look like, like a leprechaun. I'm just yeah. not calling you Flannery. <laughs> <laughs> but again, again, what you said and what we said from the beginning. I mean, I think this whole not this this whole like maniacal scheme that he has is to really just drive them to play better push them to a brink that they've never been pushed to and um yeah it's it's brilliant though i mean it's it's brilliant in that aspect but like you think of it as like wow well he's going in such extreme measures to do this though you know yeah and 
yeah, you see, you see the, you see the toll being, you see the toll being taken on these drummers. You see, there's blood, sweat, and tears all over this drum kit. Literally, the whole entire, the whole, yeah, the whole nine yards. And <laughs> there's, there's another one more like uh, Connolly just the seat height, and he's like, oh, that's that's been your problem this whole time, the seat height. So now you have it. I mean, not, yeah, he does, he does not have it, Russell. He does not have it. He does not have it. Yeah. Uh, so, and this, this is. And yeah, we get to Neiman on his what what I well, what will be his last turn, and yeah, he's going. Fletcher's like going like like walking around. He's pulling away parts of the kit, yelling at him. He's throw he's throwing shit at him. He's just doing everything he can to get him off tempo. But and you see, Andrew's locked in, dude. He's locked in. He's he's in game mode again, and it's because of that story he was talking about the drummer. Um, how he got his nickname, remember? Oh, Charlie Parker the bird. Uh, Charlie Parker, yeah. Cause the one, got, a sim- got a symbol thrown at his head. Got a symbol thrown at him. But, you know, and again, this is the one that, you know, Charlie Parker is somebody that, you know, Andrew's character idolizes because he's even listening to his, you know, drumming well, and no, stuff that, like that. that was, Charlie Parker, was, he, he, he was, uh, he played the trumpet. Uh, he was in the Buddy Rich. Oh, okay. Buddy Rich, I'm sorry. I, he was listening to drummer. I, but, okay. But when Fletcher was telling him the story, that's my bad. When Fletcher was telling him the story about how he had got his nickname or whatever like that, what I'm trying to say is he is kind of taking all that in and saying, you know what, you told me this story and, you know, about how, you know, he, he got the symbols thrown at him. I'm going to I'm going to stay locked in. Nothing you're going to do is going to rattle me. I am going to sit here. I will play with it through a thunderstorm in the middle of anything. And like he is not to be broken. For his concentration at all, he's locked in. And see, by by the time they fi- they figure out who's gonna who's gonna you know be who's gonna play this part, it's like two a.m. Yeah, and the band still has to practice. It's it's completely crazy. It's literally like like okay, uh, I don't know. Do you ever play basketball at all? Like during school at all? Did you play basketball? Uh, I mean, I, I play I play football. Okay, well, okay. So then you can kind of understand that. You'll, I mean, kind of understand this and kind of appreciate this, I guess. But it reminds me of like when you're practicing and you're so tired, and then they make you run suicides. And, like, oh, got it. You're going back and forth, like, and it, it sucked on. I mean, can I imagine they did the same thing on football fields, but on basketball court, they would make us go from the quarter line back to the half, to back to three quarters. Yeah, I, back I, to, I, I, know, yeah. I know what suicides are. Then they're. I they're mean, and yet. it's and it's grueling, but like in, in a way. This is that. Like you're tired from the practice in general, and now on top of it, you have to do more. You have to do more conditioning, and it sucks. And they're at the brink of exhaustion, and that's exactly what's going on here. These guys are like completely. They're they're done. They're they're, they're done. They're exhausted. Yeah. So Neiman's trying to get to his uh, his he's trying to get to his co- his concert. He's he's on the bus, and the bus he's on gets a flat. Of course. I mean, because he he has the shittiest. When it comes to uh, to this, oh god, his, his luck is absolutely terrible. <laughs> so he's like, "Hey, I'm gonna rent a car. A big deal." Yeah, so it's like, <laughs> there's there's no there's no way for, yeah. He, he's like, "Hey, look, I'm like, I need to get there. I need to get there quick. So uh, I have no other option. I need to rent a car." <laughs> yeah, so he goes to this place, and it's literally like three minutes away from closing, or something like that. Yeah, something like that, and. Oh shit! He left this. He left the sticks. Oh god! Yeah, and and, he, and he's already he's already running late. But this shows you again that um, this this how engulfed he is by this 
by, by drumming. He is so like not focused on anything else. You know what I mean? Everything else is just outside noise, you know? Yeah. So he gets there, but he's already given the part to, he's given the part to Connolly. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, it's like, he's like, yeah, you know what? You're, 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 you're late. You know, you don't even have your fucking sticks. He's like, they're, they're in the car. I'll just go, I'll just go get them. And they have a real, they have a real back and forth. He's just like, he just like, I got here. My father's just like, you got, you, you got, you became a core because that's the folder. You became, you got in the studio band because I told you exactly what I was looking for. And like, he's yeah. really, he's really determined to keep this because it, yeah, he, he's worked so hard. He works so hard for it. He's not going to let this, well, he, he's not he going to let a flat tire on a bus. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he, he wants this. He like, yeah, that's the thing. So he drives, you know, maniacal because he wants to hurry up and get to uh, get there. Yeah, he's just like you're not gonna cut me. You would have cut me already. He's like, try me, you fucking weasel. It's like, okay, look, five thirty. We're gonna be, we're gonna be on stage. And also another one here, Angela. I'm like, fuck, you, fuck you, Johnny. You try to turn my pages, bitch. <laughs> yeah, just like, look, you're like, either you're gonna be on the stage at five thirty with your own sticks, or you let John, or you let Johnny Utah play the part. And he he's determined to yeah. go all the way back to the rental car place, get his sticks, and come back. But on the way back. I think he like runs a red light or something and gets hit by a fucking car. <laughs> he gets crushed. I mean, and anybody else, like again, you see, he's all bloodied. He's the car's upside down. He he goes through the you know he goes out the window. And what does he do? Uh, we don't have time for a police report. Oh, we don't. No, have to, we we, we, we got to grab our. Just, we got to grab, grab our sticks and, leave. and go. Yeah, you we know, he, gig. We can't. He see. He sees. He's late. He's he's all he's all bloody. He's he, he's just he has no what to do. He's so discombobulated, but he knows he needs to get to the he needs to get to the show. It is so crazy. Like, did, I mean, it's dedication and it's a mix of stupidity, obviously. Um, but again, and that's the theme of this. Like, we we see how obsessed, like how this is like really taking over his whole entire life in an unhealthy way here too. Coming up here, yeah, and I think that. I think this is the, this portrays a very unique form of obsession because yeah. I mean, everyone's been in a situation where they want something so badly. They will put themselves through hell to get it. But this kid's going to unlength, you know, unlengthy, you know, extremes in order to do this. You know what I mean? He's really, I mean, the guy literally just got into an automobile accident where he should probably go get checked up, go make sure he's okay. But he's throwing caution. He's throwing that stuff to the wind because it's all about this. It's all about this, this competition. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's covered in blood. He's, he is hurting, but he's still trying to play and he does well for a little bit. And Fletcher lets, lets him try. You know, like, if you feel like you can do it, go yeah. ahead. And he tries for a little bit. He has it, but then he just, he just lets it go. And Fletcher comes over and he's like, yeah. Neiman, Neiman, you're done. And then, as anybody would in that situation, Neiman just fucking rages on the guy. He, he, goes, full, he goes full-blown Bobby Boucher uh, tackling his uh, professor in the middle of the lecture hall. <laughs> he does. Nice. Yeah, he does. No, you, no, you wrong, Colonel Sanders. Mama, right. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, he, uh, he, he, get, he, gets, uh, he gets kicked out of the band. And we find out something very interesting in this case. We find out that the kid that uh, Fletcher was sad about, those was sad about, and like we heard, passed away earlier, did not die in a car accident. No, uh, he, he actually, 
he suffered from PTSD and anxiety due to his time in studio band. And uh, as a result of that, he killed himself. Yeah, he hung himself. And again, we see this. Now we're like, wait a minute. Okay, so we see that what has just gone by, uh, just transpired with Andrew's character, how, how like to the, the brink of like all these extremes that we're going to to do this. And now we've seen this Sean kid who has hung himself because of the fact that he had high anxiety and it started because of Fletcher and because of all that. And we're like, wait a minute. So he's going down a downward spiral here. This is like unhealthy now. No, yeah, it is uh, 100%. And so they're trying to get him to testify to get Fletcher fired. Yeah. And his dad really thinks he should do it. Uh, but at, on a level, Andrew doesn't want to. Like, no, he, be, yeah. He feels more down on himself than he does. He, he, he hates himself right now more than he hates Fletcher. Yeah, and the fact is if he testifies against Fletcher and something happens, then he loses that that the the the, the mentor or the guy that's been pushing him too. You know what I mean? So it's like a catch twenty two almost. Like he's he's literally in between a rock and a hard place because if he does, Fletcher goes away. But then who come? You know what I mean? Then who push it? Who ends up pushing Andrew? Then you know what I mean? So, yeah, exa- yeah, yeah, exactly. It's a tough situation. But yeah, he decides to do it. He puts up the drum set and even takes some time to live, like live live his own life for a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, we see that he goes to a jazz festival one day, and who else? Who else would be there but uh, Terrence Fletcher on the piano? Of course, I mean, of course. I mean, it just so happened to be at that bar at that time in this moment. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, he uh, goes into he goes in to take a look, and he try he tries to get out before Fletcher sees him, but too late. Yeah, he's already he's already locked onto that. Yeah, this is uh, we, we get this is a scene where we get a real look inside Fletcher, where he just like, uh, yeah, I he's like I'm not working at Schaefer anymore. Uh, yeah, he, he says he says that someone from the days of uh, uh, the student who passed away probably said something and got him fired. So if yeah, you feel that, which bird be lifted yeah. off your shoulders a bit. Uh, but and this is where you get a real peek into si- inside of what Fletcher's philosophy was because like he's like I, I don't think people understood what I was doing like I was there to push people beyond what was, what was expected of him yeah because sure. yeah he tells that story uh, of of uh, Charlie Parker again how he got a symbol thrown in his head yeah and he just because like and he and he got laughed at you know? he like what what did he do he got home he practices and practices and practices with one goal in mind to never have that happen again yeah. Uh, and so he just like, and he's just like, yeah. And what what happened? He he goes back and gives the best fucking solo you'll ever you've ever heard. And he just like, but Andrew Andrew to question that I think the audience is like, is there a line? Like, is there a line between pushing someone and just taking away everything, everything they know and everything they they hope for about themselves? Yeah, I mean it's. But this is a line that, that's tiptoed numerous times throughout the film. Um, and even in the case with the, you know, the Sean, the, the kid that ended up hanging himself. I mean, wh- when, how far is far? Like, how far can you push? Like, how far do we push somebody? Where's the limit? Where does it end? You know? Yeah, where, that, where's... That's, there's, there's no line in the film, you know? Yeah, where, 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 where's the line? Where does it stop? 
Yeah. And he's like, hey, the, re- the real Charlie Parker would never be dis- – the next Charlie Parker would never be discouraged. He would and never if, yeah. quit because of some mean, of some mean words and, uh, and, like, and behavior like this. And again – and, and and what it's also doing though is reinforcing to Andrew like shit like I can't even let this like it, it, it's almost pushing him even more by saying something like that though do you know what I mean by saying yeah. that well the, the the real Charlie Parker wouldn't be distracted well he's like well wait so if all this stuff has happened I can't be just I, I I still have to be focused I can't I can't be distracted at all you know yeah so uh, and you also got like one of my favorite quotes in this movie in general. Uh, like there are, to me, there are no two or in the English language more harmful than good job. Because the whole yeah. idea with this film is like, if you praise an artist, they might become complacent and then therefore not drive themselves as much. That's a, that's a thing that's been pushed throughout this entire movie. Oh, yeah. Well, even with the drumming, like we see something like what, that we've seen with like even, you know, getting complacent that you're part of the band, you're starting now and you're, you know, you're part of it. And then it's like, well, what else can we now we we're on cruise control now but the greats are never on cruise control you know like exactly. you know tom brady's not on cruise control you have to continually push yourself to the next level you can't just stay in cruise control because you know eventually you know somebody's going to pass you and that's you know that's the thing i think that's the thing that you know fletcher is really trying to drive here uh, but anyways he uh he tells neiman that he's putting together he has a concert uh tomorrow and he needs a drummer and uh, Tanner's went into pre-med or pre-law or something like that. Yeah, something that wasn't even again something that wasn't even related to music. He he wanted nothing like he yeah. didn't have that passion to follow music. I guess you know what I mean. It was just a, it was just a gig for him, you know. Yeah, and uh, it's just like yeah, and like what about Connolly? Like I never, never give shit about Connolly. I just, just brought him in to push you. Well, we all knew he just brought him in to push yeah. you. More. Yeah, uh, I mean that's all it was about. So he agrees. Uh, he goes on to uh, he you know, opens the closet, gets a stick, gets a sticks out, gets ready for gets ready for the show. Yeah, and uh, he's go uh, he's going. You can tell this is an important gig because just like like there's some there's some pretty big people in the jazz world. One thing you should know about them: they never forget. Yeah. Uh, so they're going out. They're about to prep, <laughs> and right before they start playing. He steps over to Andrew, and he's like, "Neiman, think I'm fucking stupid? I know it was you." Yeah, so he and knew. Like, at, yeah, he. At yeah. point, you're just like, "Oh shit!" He yeah, goes, and again, yeah. No, go ahead. No, go ahead. We no. I was gonna say again. This is showing that Fletcher sabotaging the situation. Like again, he's a step ahead of this. He already knows that Andrew is the one that went and blab, and that's why he got. That's why he's out of shape for now. So he's like, this is pretty much like, okay, well, this is payback's a bitch. You know, what goes around comes around. This is going to come back at you here. Yeah, but the, but the way he decides to sabotage Andrew is just so incredibly it's, dick it's, because what he does is he, it is. he has them play a, a song that he doesn't have the sheets it, for. He's never even done before. No, he, no, he never, he he's, does no. not have this music. He's never even heard it before. This is literally... Sitting down, this, hearing something completely different that you have never heard. Like, what the hell? Where do I come this, at? Like, this is this is a new form of terrorism. <laughs> it is, yeah. But it's funny. But it's funny though because he's trying. But then it's like, okay, you know what? 
like Andrew's thinking to himself, you know what? I got it. Like, well, I'll, I'll showcase my situation. When it's time. <laughs> he doesn't like, give, I, I, I got you. Yeah. You know, he, he tries to keep up as, as good as he can. And he yeah. does. Okay. But he, yeah, he is completely, he's, he's off the time he, and he doesn't, he doesn't you know what's happening. Yeah. You know, when it starts, and yeah, he is just he's 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 at he's out of it. And, Fle- and, and like Fletcher has a look on a face where he looks like, "Hey, I," he's like, "I've won." It's like, "Fuck you, I did it." Much, yeah. Fuck yeah. you, Neiman. <laughs> fuck you. It's literally, it's like it's a fuck you thing. It's like you know what? It's it's almost like a pissing contest here. It's like you know what? You you got me fired from Schaefer. You know what? I got you. I'm gonna make you look like a complete asshole in front of you know these higher ups in the in the music you know industry, pretty much. Um, and guess what? No one's ever, ever, you're, you have no shot at ever trying to pursue music ever again. Yeah. But so Neiman, walk, he walks up the stage, goes to his dad, but then he has this, he has this look where he's just like, you know what? No. And he goes back this. out there. He goes I back out I love this. I love it. I love this scene. And you can really see the whole thing with, uh, you, you see the Charlie Parker parallel because he goes out there with the sole intention of not of not being of like not being a joke, not being ridiculed anymore. Yeah, and, because obviously right right now he looks like a joke. This yes. this guy has like completely flubbed. He is thrown an interception at the biggest game. Like he's through interception to lose the game at the Super Bowl. He's like, well, how can I redeem myself? And that's why he comes back out on the stage. I just I love this scene. Yeah, you go you go back that out there now. He basically takes over the band, leads them in a song. And let me hey. tell you what, when he when he mouths fuck you to Fletcher, I love it. Oh, that was that was so yeah. great. He goes, fuck you. He's like, fuck you. I got <laughs> and it's like, and then I like Fletcher's like, you know what? Well shit, I, I have to conduct this because then I'll look like an idiot idiot if I let it go. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's like, all right, I'll play along with this. I got you. I'll play along with this whole thing. Yeah, and he and he's he, he's doing well. He has he has this new he has this new like look at his eye. He has this. He's back in game mode right now. Yeah, he's like, all right, I got you. I'll, I'll, I'll pull. It's pretty much like, yeah. Fletcher's like, all right, you, you call my shot. I call yours. Okay. Um, now it's like I'm gonna pull this out of you. I'm gonna pull this this next bit out of you. You know what I mean? And you can see like the maniacal facial expressions that J.K. Simmons is doing in this scene. It's great. It's, it's great. Yeah. So uh, we they they play they play this whole song. It goes well. But then, as soon as and he keeps drumming. Yeah, I mean he and this is a huge. This is a long drum solo that he goes. It is, and he and he goes just like he's like I'll cue you in, and he goes he goes to the. <laughs> this, this is my favorite part. This is one of my favorite parts of the movie, where he yeah. go in and he's doing that. He's doing the whole. He slows down. They start to pick it back up slowly. Yeah, you feel your heart beating beating along with the drums. It goes back to the beginning of the film, how the beginning of the film was. Remember the yes. beginning of the film when he's drumming, he's like, dude, 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 dude. Like it's going boom, 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 but it goes faster, 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 faster. So, yeah. Yeah. And then the, the, like the most important shot of the film, like he, Neiman stops drumming and there's the close of Neiman's face and Fletcher's eyes. Yeah. And yeah, you, you see, you see Fletcher with his look on his face and then, I give props to these, these two actors because you see everything with well, first of all, J.K. Simmons. You see, like, you can't see you only see his eye, but you can tell that like, he's letting out a smile. And then he's you like, see son of a bitch, so, yeah. And, and, and if, you, if you didn't tell it just by him, you can tell by Neiman's reaction. And like he, 
Uh, he was just so he's so incredibly happy right now. He he play he plays out the band, and then that's where the movie ends. And and any like that makes you really yeah. rethink the the entire movie as a whole because you're just like, well, what's was he rocking the Which whole is, time? What, what's, what, yeah. what's going on? Yeah, another movie that ended like abruptly, like that was sideways, was like that too. That's true. Um, That's true. One one of those endings where you think, and kind of how you said, you think about it, you're like, oh, all of a sudden it ends. You're like, oh, okay, now now you have to process this. Like, wait a minute. And I and Chazelle does a great job ending the film right there because that's where you start thinking, okay, wait a minute. Now you're taking all this in, all the stuff that's happened for the last hour and forty five minutes in the film. So that's where the movie ends. So Russell, uh, final thoughts on Whiplash. I mean, this movie's, I mean, top to top to bottom, tremendous film. It was my favorite of 2014. Um, legendary performances, what can I say? J.K. Simmons won an Oscar for it. Uh, again, and this really just, you know, I've always sung the praises of Miles Teller. It's movies like this um, that really, you know, can, you know, I'm convinced that he's going to win an Oscar eventually. Um, I, I know the type of actor I've seen him in, you know, what he can be. And I and I know that you know, he's just he's a tremendous actor, and we're, we're really lucky to have somebody like this, like so young too. Because I know you're a big Michael B. Jordan fan, and yes. it's like these two guys to see these guys' careers going forward. It's like they're both going to have statues by the time that they're, but it's, when it's all said and done, they're going to. Um, I hope this so. movie's just this movie's just phenomenal from start to finish. Um, the hour and forty five minutes blows by, um, and it's just one of those ones where. How you even we just said we just wrapped it up and said that at the beginning of the film it gets you right there with like the heartbeat do 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 and it goes slow and then all of a sudden it's like fast that's how you feel during this movie the whole entire time you know there's times where you're calm but then when like Fletcher comes on the screen you start to tense up like shit what's gonna happen you know what I mean and like your heart starts racing too because you're like I've seen what this guy does what's he gonna do like what's his next move what's his next crazy thing that he's gonna do to really push these guys. I mean, tremendous performances. This is a great movie, and I'm glad it won. Um, there's really nothing bad to say about this film. This is a, a this is a terrific movie. Oh, absolutely! I I love this film, and like you said, like the hour of forty five minutes flies by. It doesn't even doesn't absolutely. feel long at all. It feels this feels like forty five minutes. No, but I mean, again, and that's the thing. Like it, it goes by so fast, but like now. There's different ways you can look at this film, though, too. You know, with all the everything that has like happened with the film, like does does this tell you about like obsession? Is this like a movie about obsession? Do you think? I think it like is. being being obsessed with something's so, like how far will you go to achieve what you want? Pretty much type of thing. You know what I mean? It's it's either on both ends too. It's it's not even just you know Andrew's character, even Fletcher too. You know. Yeah, for sure. But I think yeah, this is a tremendous film with some fantastic performances and a really good coming out party for Damien Chazelle. For sure. Yeah, I think he, I think he's a really great director, well deserved best director win for uh, what's it, for uh, La La Land, and, and I yeah. a, movie, a movie I also really I like. I've, I like everything he's done so far. Really looking forward to the movie with. he's movie he's doing with uh, Brad Pitt and maybe Emma Stone. I think yeah. she's in it also. But I'm going to take Whiplash as his, uh, his his gold gold standard for sure. Oh, Whiplash is easily his best film. Yeah, and then it's it's, it's, it's a then it's a grind. I'd say between La La Land and First Man. And I mean, yeah, it's, both, it's tough because I really like both those. Really movies. good. It, it, it just depends on what type of mood you're in. I guess if you're in a musical mood or you're in kind of like that those biopic type uh, mood. But yeah, he's a great director, and I'm really like how you said. I'm really looking forward to seeing what Chazelle puts out. You know, throughout his career. 
All right, so uh, that's good. That's gonna wrap. we're gonna wrap the show right here. Uh, Russell, anything you want to? Well, you want to our plug before we head out? Yeah, you can find us on Facebook. Notorious by Chance is the Facebook group. We put polls up. We leave it to you guys to vote on what you want us to cover. Um, like I said, we're almost at three hundred, so our group is getting bigger and bigger. We appreciate all the support. Um, you know, tell your friends, give them the link, have them join. Like we, the more the merrier. Um, and you can also find us on YouTube. We have a, you know, a new YouTube page. Notorious by chance is the name of it. Um, we put up new review, like new movie reviews that have come up, new releases. We just dropped uh, chance did a terrific uh, job editing the top 10 films of 2019. Um, I thought it was great. Um, we got a lot of, you know, Dan Skip Allen had like 30 coffins. I saw that. I saw that. <laughs> Uh, it was funny though, but yeah, but it's great. Anyway, like it, it's great. I'm glad like, you know, he watched it, liked all of our picks. I thought it was great. You know, your editing uh, was great on it. And we're really, we're really happy about that. We got a lot of things coming up with the podcast. So we have some great ideas coming, coming up down the, down the line, but yeah, you can find us on those two outlets and yeah. And if I'm at Twitter, give me a chance for underscore 91, uh, check my other podcast, PBCA, which I'm going to be starting up again very soon. Um, what else? What else are the plug? Let me think. Oh yeah, uh, check out uh, the Schmodown, uh, where I compete. We just signed a huge deal with Skybound, which is awesome. Uh, and uh, Schmodown Live New York is going to be recording this. Going to be tonight. Record this. Okay, well, people are recorded these segments on separate days, so uh, don't hold that. Uh, but yeah, uh, check out the season opener and uh, join the Patreon. If you support. And uh, that's going to do it for us. Uh, I'm Chance. That's Russell, and we will see you next time.